Hello and welcome to Irreverent Testimony brought to you by Netroots Radio, the political podcast for millennial and Gen Xer types from a left-wing perspective. It is Saturday, January 26th, 2019. I'm Travis. I'm Rachel. And wow, what a week. Yeah. I mean, we ended last week like we always end it, like, oh, who knows what the hell is going to happen this week? <laughs> and boy, did the hell happen. Oh my goodness. I mean... Let's start with like the big stuff first, but like in addition to the big stuff, we've decided to vote the second half to like all of the other stuff that's really big. Yeah. <laughs> that like you forgot about or didn't notice or didn't yeah. come up in your feed. There's there's just, a bunch like, of stuff that would be huge news if not for all the craziness yeah. uh surrounding the Trump White House. So Right. So let's event, just start with what, the shutdown. Yeah, I the think. shutdown is over. Uh Trump caved and got nothing. Which is kind of was kind of inevitable. I mean, I suppose he could have held the government closed until we had planes falling out of the sky and general strikes and utter chaos. Which and I, that would not have surprised me. No, which we were pretty close to. Yes. Um, there's been this dumb debate on Twitter about, oh, it's all thanks to Nancy Pelosi. No, it's all thanks to the workers. It's like, it's a lot of things. Right. It's a lot of things. And right. we can we can share, uh, you know, when accolades. it's not due to, and accolades will not be going to, is President Trump or congressional Republicans. <laughs> yeah, definitely not. <laughs> no, no. And So 35 days, the government was shut down. Yes. 800,000 federal workers and over a million contractors were without pay. Many, many, most of them came to work. Um, yeah. And well, let, let's let's also point something out that's really important that's lost in all this. Yes, the federal workers are going to get back pay. Yes. The contractors will not. They just Correct. they just lost a month of income. Correct. And uh, this this is completely foreign and unimaginable to Trump's cabinet and and right wing radio hosts, but. A huge majority of this country lives paycheck to paycheck. Right. And missing two paychecks or one if you get paid monthly is going to put you behind in a way that it will take years to catch up. Correct. And I know we're – I mean, maybe not right the second we're not in that situation, but we've been in that situation. I have lived my entire life in that situation. Yeah, yeah. And um, not having two paychecks – Right. Like getting fired or getting laid off. Laid off is better because you sometimes get unemployment. But like not having two paychecks um, or like a month's of income, like that's it. Yeah. We're, that's game over. Lose my house. Got my car my repossessed. It's, can't pay my car payment. Yeah. It's, electricity gets shut off. It's done. I'm, my moving, water gets shut I'm off. moving in with my parents and yeah, starting my life over. That's right. I mean, that's it. And, and that's the majority of the people that I've ever known and the majority of the American public um, doesn't just have like, you know, this cash sitting around to be like, oh, a month. What's that? Right? Yeah. Um, so we're talking upwards of a million people. Yes. That are, that are affected and they are not getting their They're back, not pay, getting or money back, back. pay. They're screwed. And I'm going to bring this in later when we talk about unions. But, um, you know, Contracted labor is something that we should really think carefully about. And this is a really good time to do that mm -hmm. because contracted labor is this fucking business loophole that's existed for a long time. It was created entirely to uh, benefit business and to harm workers yes. and to undermine unions. And, um, it, you know, 
it's something that's we don't talk about a lot and we don't acknowledge a lot that contracted workers are not protected by traditional employment protections that the rest of us enjoy and this is a prime example of that that these contracted workers who like you know clean things mm-hmm. and like um all sorts of oh, things. Oh, in right? every facet of the economy, they're using, they use that. In, yeah. in research, they use it. They use it everywhere. It yeah. started as they a have small con- thing. contract gigs where you get no benefits. People and no decided PTO. they were like, we can do that. <laughs> yeah. We're like, everybody's a contractor, right? Everybody's yes. a contracted worker, mm-hmm. which means exactly that, right? You don't have to pay benefits. And in some states, you don't have to have a, paid time off. There's a limit to how many of those you can hire at a time, but not, you know, it depends on the depends state. Depends on the state. And there's like, Colorado is uh, one of the worst in terms of um, protections for uh, workers. And we are an employee at will state, which means that you can literally fire anyone at any time for no reason. Mm -hmm. You can be like, I don't like you. I don't like the color of your hair. I don't like your hair. I don't like your color of your eyes. Right. Yeah. Eyes are not a protected class. Right. You're fired. Um, And there's no recourse. There's nothing that you can do. I got fired when I was 21 um, by a crazy woman that I'd worked for since I was 15 and um, she was nuts. And as I got older, I started to realize that she was nuts and I was trying to help her save her business. And she was offended by that. And she fired me. And I remember telling my parents the first time I ever got fired. And uh, my dad was like, you need to file a claim <laughs> for wrongful you, termination. Your Republican voting dad who voted in all those things that helped get you fired. Right. And yes. he was like wrongful termination. And I was like, what is that? Because I'm like 20. Right. And he's yeah. like, go file for wrongful termination. I was like, OK. So I go down and I talk to the unemployment office and I talk to the um, state employment board and they're like, that doesn't exist in Colorado. And I was like, what do you mean? And they're like, there's no, so, there's no such thing. Yeah. She can fire you for literally no reason um, at right all. Right to work. Right to work. Um, now, what small protections I did have was that like because she fired me for no reason, I got to collect unemployment benefits. Mm-hmm. But that was still only 67% of my paycheck. That's right. That's and right. So That's another thing. It's not like I still get the same paycheck because I got fired for no right. reason. I get 67% of my paycheck, which and for again, someone the- <laughs> who was making like $6 an hour, I think at that point it was like seven fifty an hour because this was a long time ago. Um, it wasn't that long ago. Uh, it's like almost 20 years ago. Um, but like that, you're, you're that was a yourself, significant. You're dating yourself, but I'm trying to save you from doing that. <laughs> I don't care. <laughs> I'm old. Um, that was a significant reduction in my income, and I could not afford to live on on that sixty seven percent unemployment. Yeah. Um, to make the broader point here, I, I think this is a little bit of an awakening, maybe uh, a little bit of of a shock to the system to maybe reanalyze where we've gone in terms of weakening unions and, and the American and right worker to work and what the workers' power is, and that you know, I know that. A lot of people have been giving um, a lot of credit to different things, but I do think that we should talk about the power of the American worker. Um, yeah, and, and the power and of striking, and the power of um, of right, the American worker yeah. is a thing that we've lost. And I think this, if we can have a silver lining, perhaps could be a time when we could have a comeuppance and yeah, say and, the American and, worker is the most powerful force in this country. And Trump tapped into that by telling a lot of the white working class that, Hey, you're, you're bad off because all the the benefits are going to Brown people and illegal immigrants. Mm -hmm. And we can turn that around and be like the rich assholes like Donald Trump are take are stealing your money. And I think they're going to be more open to that because they just saw the rich assholes like Donald Trump stealing their money. Well, and yeah, I think that like 
this is that there's been a bit of an awakening. We looked at his commerce secretary, Wilbur Ross. Yeah, oh boy. And he's this old, crotchety, fucking billionaire white dude who. He's more than that. He's actually a criminal, and (coughs) Congress is going to start looking at that. And we should, but he's a prime example of what we're talking about. He was was being interviewed at CNBC or something. And he's like, somebody said something about federal workers going to like food pantries Mm -hmm. and standing in basically bread lines. And Mm -hmm. he was like, I don't actually understand why though. And the interviewer was like, what, what do you mean? I don't understand. What do you mean? Like they're not getting paid. And he's like, yeah, but like, you know, they could just like, I mean, take out loans, right? I mean, they could just go to their bank. Their loans would be like the federal government is the benefit, like the, the sort of like, um, co-payer on the loan. Yeah, that's as soon as the government opens, they can just works. pay it back. And it's like, first of all, holy shit! He's the you. commerce secretary, and the he doesn't know how loans secretary. work. He doesn't. But he also like, why should you have to work for free? And in order to pay your bills, take out a loan. His own bank, right? This this thing that he's involved in, I don't mm-hmm. know, in some level, is charging nine percent interest on loans right now for federal workers. That's if you can get a loan. That's also assuming that any bank you just walk into and be like, I'm a federal worker who's been furloughed. Give me a loan. And they'll be like, I don't need to look at your credit. Sounds good. And he's like, no, because they'll just assume that like when the federal government pays them back, then they'll pay the loan back. And I'm like, that's not how fucking banks work. No. Banks are going to look at your credit and be like, "Mm, what if they're, what if they have mm, no, what if they're a renter? What if they have no uh, uh, equity in their home or or a mortgage to back it? Bad credit. Because they're poor. Yeah. Right? I mean, this is not, a, first of all, fuck you. Second of all, it's not a solution. Third of all, why should federal workers pay 9% interest on a loan for the their salary, for their hourly wage? Yeah, the tone deafness. That's de- fucking crazy. The tone deafness was, was amazing in all of this. And then Trump, right, comes out and yeah. says, no, no, they're not going to go without food. They can just go to the, the grocery store and they'll just work it out. <laughs> With the grocer. They've, they've known him for years, so they'll just go in and work it out. But how undisciplined is that messaging, really? Like, all any of these people have to say is, yeah, that's a really terrible thing. The Democrats should really reopen the government. It's like, obviously, that's gross on a million levels if they said that. But at least if you stick to that message, like, no, because people they might buy it. They don't get it. They literally think, like, they Trump literally is like, oh, it's 1940. And there's a corner store with Jeb that you've known for 20 years. Not Jeb Bush, And you go in Jeb. and be like, yo, I, I'm i one of those workers. Can I get like a, you know, some food? But oh, obviously sure. I'll pay you back. And he's like, of course, I've known you forever. No, he, he, that's not like, what he thinks. He doesn't even know. He doesn't even have uh, any idea you how brought grocery this stores up, work. You brought this up in the car the other day. Back in the, in the in, I think it was the 92 George H.W. Bush's reelection yes. campaign. A, a reporter asked him. Like there was this thing, George Bush is out of touch, and now I'm not out of touch. Uh, oh yeah, well, how much does a does a gallon of milk cost? And he's like, uh, twenty dollars. Like he right. had no idea because he's never stepped into a grocery store right. and bought his own groceries, and neither right. has has Trump. And well, uh, and worse than that, like I mean, H W had never stepped into a grocery store, at least not since he was maybe a kid, um, and thought like, I don't know, milks affordable so $20 and for him $20 in 1992 was an affordable price yeah. for a family of four to pay twice a week for a gallon of milk yes that was most people's grocery budgets yeah and it it sent people off 
right? Sure, like, rightly the so. Fuck, are you saying? Rightly so. Rightly so. So then Trump's like, you just go work it out. So I'm supposed to go to my local King Supers, and I'm supposed to go buy groceries, and then I'm, I get up to the checkout stand, and I'm like, um, yeah, no, I can't, um, I can't pay you, but we can just like work it out, right? And the checker's yeah. gonna be like, what? And that is because Donald J. Trump has literally never walked into a grocery store. No, we thought this through as a thought experiment. At what point in time would he ever have walked into a grocery store in his life? Well, I have friends that were that rich. I had this friend uh, who I would hang out with because he had like a mansion. And he basically had like house servants. Right. And his parents, like maybe once in a while, they would stop and pick something up. But basically, these people did all the grocery shopping. Right. right and the, and they if oh we need sheets linen supplies they would they would just go get all that the, his parents never went and bought anything well, and, and he like certainly never went and probably bought probably his mom didn't be like here's the grocery list for the week they were just like you're going to make us food right yeah and he's not Donald Trump this is just a kid whose dad was like a surgeon right so so Donald Trump's even more so think about Donald Trump with his multi multi millionaire you know dad growing up and then him being a, a, a real estate magnet, like he's never had to step into a grocery store. He doesn't even know what that would look like. <laughs> no. He just calls the lady who makes him food and is like, hey, we're having want, food this week. Yeah, or I like, want hey, beef I want... Wellington tomorrow. Make right. it. Make yeah. it. But he's not like, here's the list of items that you need to purchase. In his case, he's like, I want an overdone steak with ketchup. You know, go mm. get me the <laughs> and then some McDonald's mm. on the side. Mm. <laughs> but mm. but in any event there was this fallacy that it like it drove us bonkers and it was just regurgitated by the media nonstop that Trump is connecting with the regular folk and we're mm-hmm. like how is this right. this rich ass like everything gold plated in his uh New York penthouse how is he relating to the... Does it's he like, even have a kitchen in that penthouse? Like, no. Probably not. Why do you keep... Why? First of all, it's a total misnomer. Second of all, he's relating to working white class people because he's spewing racism. Right. And in terms of the first part of him being just an out-of-touch rich asshole, hiring a bunch of out-of-touch rich assholes who want, is a big grift and they want to enrich themselves, like everybody's getting wise to that now. And that's why I think that... You know, his approval tanking and, and like the shine, the sheen being off. And yes, he's always going to have that 35 core, you know, percentage yeah. that, that, you know, that is not going right. to deteriorate. But like, I don't think he recovers from this now. <laughs> Which it, I think is so interesting. Is America stupid enough that maybe he will? Because like tomorrow, maybe he'll have a summit with Kim Jong-un and Kim Jong-un will lie and say he's reducing his nuclear stockpile and people will get excited again for no reason. It's possible, yeah, but... But what he has done, and the polls show that people blame him and the Republicans in Congress, period. Like, there's not a lot of people who are like, it's the Democrats, except that, like, 28%. Mm -hmm. Um, But I think that what he has done with this shutdown and then the response from his campaign or from his uh, administration and and from his cabinet and and all the people who are talking on his behalf has been people are like, oh... He is just a fucking rich asshole. What Mm -hmm. was I thinking? Like, what what the fuck? He's not going to... He doesn't care about my job. He doesn't care about my mortgage. He doesn't even know what fucking any... Like, my life looks like. He has no idea. No. You need money to buy groceries, and you don't need a government ID to buy groceries. (laughs) Um, Yeah, he's he's clueless about that, and that people find... I don't know why they didn't understand this before, but they finally realized it. I think a lot of people are coming around to, like, this is bullshit, and... On that note, some of the like really 
what we would consider like leftist tax policies are starting to gain some real traction among yeah. some of those people. I and wanted to, to hold off on that just a little bit so we can sort of wrap wrap this up in terms okay. of explaining to people what happened. So so Trump basically said, I'm reopening the government and we have 21 days right. to work out a deal to February get my 15th. wall funding mm-hmm. or I might shut the, the government down again or I might do an emergency thing or whatever. So basically he got nothing. So Trump and Republicans held the government shut 35 days for no reason. Correct. (laughs) So for nothing. So there's that. So these 800,000 federal workers and over a million contractors went without pay for 35 days for literally no reason. Yeah. And and everybody thought the Democrats would cave something. And they didn't. They didn't give him anything. Nothing happened. Um. Now, this could have happened on day one. Right. And, and and what's made it even worse for him is when he got up in the Rose Garden and all these these federal workers and contractors said, oh, thank God. Now maybe I can survive. And then he turns around and goes, well, I might do it again in yep. three weeks. You have no security. You have no like there, there's no assurance here. Now, it's 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 very unlikely that even if Trump actually wanted to do that. That, that Republicans in Congress would actually go along with doing this again. I agree. It's possible. They're idiots. But it's probably unlikely. But look, if you're a federal worker and you have just been traumatized by this and this asshole says, I might do it again. Right. What are you thinking? Besides the fact that you, you literally might drive to Washington and try to strangle this guy. I'm going to go into the private sector is what I'm thinking. If you can. a worker. If right? you can. If not, like, fuck this guy. Fuck these people. Yeah. Right. But like, I think, you know, there's there's also when stuff like this happens, particularly for this long, I think there starts to be for me a worry about a brain drain from the federal government in much the way that it happened in Germany, uh-huh. um, that a lot of the people who work in the federal government, who've worked their their, you know, sort of lifers and and um provide tremendous uh, brain power to our, our federal government are starting to go, this is not stable. Yeah. This thing that's that's supposed to be stable isn't stable, and maybe I should go to the private sector. And I'm, I'm worried that we may, um, this is a side effect that we may really need to be worried about, that we may lose a lot of really talented people um, in our federal government, and they may go to the private sector. And we saw what happened in Germany when that happened. And like, I, I would stunted, say it stunted yeah. their economy. It stunted um, their society for a very long time. I would say that is possible uh, if they were dumb enough to, to try to do this again. Um, I was saying likely it's possible. I, I mean, I, even, I don't know that we're quite at that point yet. I know, but I think even, um, some of the people that I know that have worked for the federal government who were laid off when Trump, people I know that worked for the EPA in particular, yeah. um, that were laid off when he took office because they just like, you know, shut everything down basically. Um, those people were, they're really smart. <laughs> you know, they've got PhDs and master's degrees and they were doing all kinds of things with algae and renewable energy and mm-hmm. like really great things. Um, and they were laid off and now they're doing not those great things. Um, in the private sector working for energy companies, which yeah. are not doing those sort of research studies and stuff. So I think that it's just a combination of things, but it's something that I've been thinking about and yeah. worrying about. 
But anyway, back to the shutdown. Um, well, uh, yeah, I mean, that's basically what happened. So the government, I'm assuming, I haven't heard, I'm assuming Trump actually signed the stupid thing. Um, yeah. And then the government is reopened. And, mm-hmm. and so this is what's going to happen. First of all, uh, Trump tried to spin it. He, <laughs> Trump, it was classic Trump. He got up on the mic and he, he sort of put his white knight armor on and said, I have rescued you, federal workers. Right. I'm reopening the government and you're all so wonderful and you're great and thank you for your sacrifice. And I'm, I'm setting things right and I'm going to yeah. I'm going to make sure you get paid. Right. And then and then he said um, 21 days to work something out. And if not, I could do this again or maybe I could do the emergency thing or whatever. Mm-hmm. And then he he moved on to a rambling like stump speech about how all the immigrants are coming to kill us. Um, and which <laughs> is just, just like, what is happening? Yeah. Which is just dumb on several levels. Like, first of all, well, you just capitulate. This is so important to you. You, you just said, uh, fuck it. I'm, I'm, I'll, I'll take nothing and reopen the government, which makes, begs the question. Why'd you shut it down in the first place? Mm-hmm. Why'd you not try to do this when you had both chambers of Congress? Mm-hmm. And then he went back to the thing about the women with the tape on their mouths. Yes. And this is really interesting because people keep noticing this. He keeps saying it. And a lot of people are like, oh, this is some sexual fetish and he gets off on it. And I don't think that's what it is. I don't either. Uh, So anyway, this is what he keeps saying. He keeps when he talks about how bad why we need a wall. He keeps saying that this weird thing that no one else is saying. Like there's no evidence to. Suggest well, that he this doesn't is even true. really explain what it means. He right. just this vague idea that women are being trafficked across the border. I don't know if he means to the U.S. or from the U.S. I, I don't to know. To the U.S. To the U.S. And they're being trafficked and held in like vans and campers and and like semi trucks and stuff like in the backs of trucks that aren't coming through ports of entry. They're, right. They're just driving through the border. Right. Which doesn't sound likely. Like in the desert or something, uh, maybe it's possible. But anyway, he says the, the and he keeps going on about how women are like bound and they have tape over their mouths. Yeah, he cannot stop emphasizing. Right. At first, it was electrical tape, and now it's duct tape. But it's it, it's 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 so specific. It's right? so specific it's about like how their women mouths are, being, are covered. Women are being trafficked, or children are being trafficked, or women and children are being trafficked. It's this really specific thing, and this is like multiple, multiple times he said he he's, tape he over says their it mouths every day. Right. And, and out of context, he yes. just wants to keep saying this thing that like, we're like, we're talking women have about tape over their mouths. Yeah. Government workers. And he's like, but women have tape over their mouths. Yeah. The border. And you're like, what? And, and, the fuck? and people keep trying to analyze it. And we have a hypothesis. Yes. And it's gross. Yeah. Uh, it's not because he gets off on it. No. It's not because he read it on some 4chan board, which he, maybe he probably did. Actually. Right. No, he, he got this from somebody somewhere. But, but I, I think the light bulb. He's latched onto it. He's because, latched onto it because I think the light bulb went on. Let's backtrack to the Kavanaugh hearings. Yep. And when Christine Blasey Ford was giving her testimony, one of the most impactful things, one of the, the things that like everybody's sort of took everybody's breath away and you could hear like an audible gasp in the chambers and everything was when One she, of the things I remember that will be like seared into my yes, memory forever. Is mine her too. Talking about this. Mine mm-hmm. too. Was about how she described Brett Kavanaugh holding her down and covering her mouth to muffle her screams. Right. And covering her mouth and nose to the point where she thought she might die. Yes. Yes. And and Trump has repeated that too. Trump has said, oh, you know, with the, when their mouths were taped, they could suffocate, they could die. Right. 
Like he's repeated that and verbatim. Like she wasn't alleging that he was going to kill her on purpose, but it would be an right. accident because he didn't know what he was doing. And right. It was fucking terrifying. And that is the moment when you're like, okay, wow. this definitely fucking happened for sure. Yeah. That's not a thing that you know unless it happened to you. Yes. And so. But I think that Trump remembers that. And he remembers the reaction and women's reaction to that. Yes. And a light bulb went on. He said, aha, I can get people on my side. I can get these women on my side. Mm. If I describe how horrible it is that these traffickers are covering these women mouths, that seems to trigger them. I, I seriously think that is what he's thinking. I do too. Now he'll never admit that. Can I speak to that for a minute? Yes, please. Um, I think you're right. And when you said it, I was like, oh, that's what, there it is. Right? There it is. Yeah. And um, how horrifying it is that he has such an inability to have empathy, right, to, to relate to anyone else, that he thinks that the reason that <clears throat> that moment was impactful was because women are triggered by mouth coverings, right? And not because of the harrowing nature of what she was saying and the way that all of us were like, Jesus Christ, this fucking guy is going to be on the Supreme Court and he did this to her and we all knew it was fucking true. Yeah. Instead, he doesn't get that. He doesn't get that that's why people were impacted. He doesn't get it. So he says, oh, women have a thing about covering their mouths. So... I'm going to, with literally, like, I think he's a sociopath. He, he thinks, he looks at that and he says, okay, I can use w- women's mouths being covered as a ploy and that will work. And so then he makes up this story about women's mouths being covered at the border to mm-hmm. be like, see women, I'm on your side. Yeah. And I don't, it's not working because that's not the point. No, right? It doesn't no. make any sense. And that's not why women were impacted by that. So why human no. beings were impacted no. by that. People with empathy with the capacity to relate to another human being suffering, were impacted by Christine Blasey Ford for many reasons. And it's not about someone's mouth being covered. It's about her experience. But he doesn't get that. No. He literally has such a lack of ability to relate to human suffering, to other people, to the lack of empathy, that he just takes this thing and it's like, okay, well, here's this thing out of complete context and I'll put it in some other box and then women will be on my side. And it's, <laughs> it's, it's, it's pathological. Yeah, it seriously is pathological, and it also isn't working. But he can't stop. He, this is another thing with Trump. He, he, I feel like he's like maybe they're not understanding what I'm saying. Right. Maybe they're not getting it. So I better. I got to keep repeating it. Maybe they didn't hear me. I have to keep repeating. I have to keep repeating it. So he is going to keep repeating. He is, and he has been. This is it is seriously pathological because he doesn't understand that we that is not a relatable. What are you talking about? But he's like, no. If you just, ladies, the mouth though. I mean, it's do, a, do you hear what I'm saying? It's the mouth was covered. Their mouths are being covered. Remember that? You're yeah. mad about that mouth covering? And we're like, what are you talking about? What are you talking about? And he's like, the mouth covering. Why aren't you on my side? I did the thing. And it is understandable, like, right? fuck? In that, like, if you've ever had a partner that, like, you, you hear what they're saying, and but you don't agree with what they're saying, but they just keep repeating themselves over and over and over and over. Right. Or like a friend or right. somebody. No, for sure. This happens all the time, right? Yeah. And you're like, explain it in a different way. Stop <laughs> saying the same sentence because we're not hearing each other on the same sentence. Right. Rephrase or you, the or you, sentence. Or you do hear them. You just don't agree. But they, or like, they can't yeah, but they can't like, let yes. it go. Right. It's like, oh, if you just, you're not hearing what I'm saying. Like, no, I hear you, but. But this is different than that even. This no, is this just is like, different than that. Yeah. This is like, uh, I. 
yeah, it's pathological and gross and sociopathic and. I really do think that you're right. I, I really I, do. I like totally you said it, and I was right. like, "Holy shit!" I totally I think I'm right, and I'm surprised other out. people haven't made the connection. And I'm not saying I'm a genius or anything. I think that. Well, I couldn't figure out what the fuck is with the women and the mouths. It's and it's not like he's like one day their ankles are bound and one day they're, you know, tied up and one day they're in the back of a van and they're a truck. It's, but it's, it's what you said. It, it's what you said. Covered. Trump is so pathological. It it is hard to get in his headspace. Yeah. It it is really hard to relate to what this guy's thinking. But when you start like stripping everything else away and yes, assuming the most base and awful instincts in a human being, then it makes sense. Yeah. Then you can say, okay, the thing that registered with people without understanding human emotion at all (laughs) was this thing about the mouth being covered. I can use that. It's like without the context in which Christine Blasey Ford presented it, it has no impact because it doesn't make any sense. But he doesn't understand that because he doesn't understand the emotional context because he's a fucking sociopath. Yep. So there's that. Uh, Take with it what you will. But anyway, so everybody wants to prognosticate about what's going to happen in 21 days. I just want to say one thing. If Trump actually has an opportunity to do something here, he's not smart enough to realize it, nor does he care enough. But what he doesn't understand is that Chuck and Nancy, uh, in, in spite of what probably angering their own base to a point, are actually ready to make a deal and would give him his stupid $5 billion, or even more because they were willing to give a lot more before. People forget that in exchange for actually something. That's another part that the media keeps fucking up is that, well, they got to make a deal. They got to come to an agreement. But he wasn't offering anything. He wasn't he wasn't one one make a deal. He just wanted his thing. And then he didn't get his thing and he just gave up. So there was never there was never about negotiation. But well, if he really uh, hold on, if he really did want to negotiate, he could get his stupid wall money for uh, guarantees for DACA, guarantees to stop separating families at the border. Uh, like you could actually have sort of immigration compromise. And Chuck and Nancy, they would be okay with it because ultimately, even if he tried to build his wall. That is going to be tied up in eminent domain court cases for decades. He's never going to build a stupid wall, even if they gave him a trillion dollars. Okay. So here's the part where we have to, like, talk about pragmatism versus, like, ideology versus politics and optics. Yeah. So I think that Nancy, and I'm not giving Chuck any fucking credit. (laughs) no he's a fucking who cares no if it was left to him he probably would have caved he would have absolutely caved the reason like and everybody who was like we don't want nancy pelosi as our speaker because she's that oh yeah let's talk let's talk about nancy fucking pelosi and her effectiveness as a leader of the speaker of the house molten or kathleen rice anymore they're they're dead if anyone else had been the speaker of the house Maybe somebody who... They don't know. They might have panicked. They might have uh, handled it the wrong way. Yeah, steeled. She's done this for so long, and she's an old lady, right? So, like, she's been through this shit. And she kept her caucus together, which for Democrats is really effing hard. And she's really good at it. Yeah. And no amount of bullshit's going to panic her. She's not doing it. Yeah. They're going to get your fucking wall. Even AOC is all over there worshiping her. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. No, like love her, right? Because yeah. you, you can demonize her all day long, and they have right the other side, and that's fine. She's like, good, demonize me, great, 
fundraise off me great i'll fundraise off that i don't you know, care she's, i don't care she's always underwater as is mcconnell although not as badly but i bet you if they pulled today she might actually be close to 50 50 right but like who cares it won't last but it, she's incredibly yeah. effective at her job yes anyway so um going at this from these angles um from a, an optics place right from a just politics place mm-hmm. um there is no compromising about a wall a wall has been is it it's it's not about money and it's not about imminent domain and it's not about the farmers and ranchers it's about the optics of we're giving the president money to be racist i i understand that and yes. and they've drawn that line already they too. have and i think that that's that doesn't mean right. they're not ready to deal though. that's right is you don't especially not in a hostage situation. Now, if the government stays open and we want to talk about things, maybe. But we but are that's absolutely... But that's how they talked him into doing absolutely it. Absolutely not going to give you money for a fucking wall while the government is shut down. Of like, there was not. no way. And of people kept not. saying, they're going to back down, they're going to back down, she should. What about the DACA? What about the Dreamers? And it's like, no fucking way. No fucking way. Yeah, we're not even no negotiating. way. And when they went into that room and he said to her, are you going to give me my money for my wall? And she was like, no. And he walked out Everyone was like, oh, no, she should have done something. It's like, no, she did. She played him like, oh, my God, she played him and she fucking won. And the Republicans and the Republicans felt like they had for whatever reason. I still don't fully understand this. They felt like they had no choice but to go along with it. Remember, just 36 hours ago, they voted against the same thing they voted for yesterday. Correct. And and their excuses, well, Trump said he wouldn't sign it. But there are different branches. You're not the president's henchman. You no. are literally a co-equal branch of government. Yes. Separation, right? Checks and balances. Make him veto it. like Right. Make him veto reopening the well, government. Let, let me ask you this, right? Because I'm old enough to remember enough politics that Clinton. Ah, me too. Yes. Uh, vetoed shit and had stuff overridden. Yeah. George H.W. Bush vetoed shit yep. and had stuff overridden. Yep. Even when they had the chamber sometimes. Yes. Um. Obama. Obama. Yes. Like it wasn't like it it was political intrigue for a day. Oh, hey, wow. That's kind of kind of a big deal. It's unusual. But like the the Washington, D.C. didn't melt down. Like that's how government is supposed to function. Why is it so like taboo? This idea of doing something with public popularity. Fucking Trump. Right. I mean. Everyone wants this except one man, and so sixty people won't do it. And and Trump it's is weird. Is, is at, at best forty percent approval. Right? Like, no, it's weird. Are it's, they it's, so scared of mean tweets? And I don't know. And it Coulter? is really weird. It is really. It is really like sort of something to ponder about. Because even Mitt Romney. Yeah, it's like th- this is unprecedented. That like something that's this popular with this unpopular of a president, um, that they wouldn't just veto override or okay. make him fuck they don't even put it on the table to make him veto it, <laughs> no. right like which no. he wouldn't do and so well paul ryan out the door wouldn't even hold a vote yeah like paul ryan like my last act will be fealty to this failed president like right why, why? I, I almost wonder if, does he just have a bunch of dirt because he's all mobbed up maybe is or, it blackmail yeah. i don't understand because this is not how congress has ever functioned i like i maybe maybe paul ryan's smarter than we give it credit for and he's like one last fuck you to mitch mcconnell and 
everybody else. I don't know. Here, yeah. Enjoy the shutdown. I don't know. I, I, I don't know either. But it, it doesn't make any sense. It is bizarre. In, it unless, is. like, these people actually worship Donald Trump like his followers? Like, that it seems unlikely. Be. It can't be. It has to be something. I don't know what it is, but it's it's... History will look hopefully very closely at this time and like what is what, what was wrong with what Republicans in Congress? What was going on? <laughs> um, yeah, anyway. because you had the other day you had screaming matches between Ron Johnson and Mitch McConnell, and Ron Johnson's like, "This is your fault," and Mitch McConnell's right. like, "I'm not enjoying this." Like, well, what why are you, are you doing? Pass the fucking CR then. He's not your boss. No, that's the thing that you have to understand. He is not your boss. You don't you. That's not how it works. Somewhere along the line, he they decided is he in is. a separate branch of government from you. And your job constitutionally is to check and balance. So just the same way that the judiciary isn't your boss, nor are you theirs, nor is he theirs. Right. Co-equal branches of government. The president is not the boss of the Congress. That's It's not top down. It's co-equal. But it makes you think, right? Like what if Trump hadn't caved yesterday? I don't know. Well, we'd still be here, and Mitch McConnell would still be saying Democrats have to do this and that, and Nancy Pelosi would still be sitting there with her arms folded going yeah, like, no. okay, you know, like, <laughs> I'm just trying to wrap my head around I know. it. Like, maybe there is compromise. Like, maybe, right. like, Trump assuredly knows, or his people assuredly know that all kinds of Republicans in Congress were also on the take and have dirt and like he's so unstable, you know, he could just burn right. everything down with him. Right. I mean, I, I don't, I, I don't know. I don't it's, know. What it's other, as plausible I, a theory as any. I know. Like, and, and then, and then it makes me wonder further 21 days from now, Trump at the wrong, exact wrong moment clicks on Ann Coulter. Right. Or and not not handy because Fox is a mouthpiece. They're spinning it as this was a great victory for Trump, but like any no seriously, <laughs> right. but no, any other conservative outlet. No, he's getting shit from it, them. He was getting he's getting railed on. Of course, he's ignoring that and just watching Fox, so he's not rage tweeting yet. But right. he will. Yeah, I'm gonna get to that in a second. But like, what if 21? Yeah, 21 days from now, and he's ready to do his emergency declaration. 20 days from now, or whatever. Ann Coulter fires another mean and, tweet off, and he's just like, "Fuck it, shut it down." Yeah. Right. Then, then what? Then what? Then what? Then then like I we said at the beginning, like, OK, congressional Republicans aren't going to do this again. But I'm like, well, they what? have gone along with everything so far. Right. I have no evidence to suggest they wouldn't do it again. I don't. Why? I mean, <laughs> what evidence is there to suggest that they wouldn't do exactly what they've always done? And when someone be tells you because then you have planes, then you have airports shut down, which LaGuardia was for a few uh, I know we're going, we're going to New, New York, York so we were weeks. like fuck open the goddamn government back <laughs> but also we're going to New York the week after that so mm, I'm also going to DC on February 15th yeah that's so, gonna be fun uh, <laughs> yeah who knows but yeah because then but, but we that stuff's kind of ready to go because the plans were being hatched so like oh try this again like they're strikes, walkouts, chaos, yeah. a little bit of anarchy, and Trump may summon the National Guard, and who knows where we would be. I mean, we were getting to that point. People were starting to think, like, shit may just unravel now. Yeah. And and then and then Trump knew he was getting hammered and said, well, I got to put an end to this. But yeah, he could get a wild up hair up his ass in 21 days, especially because... Especially if in the next 21 days he just gets hammered by conservatives or for being he, a wimp. If he takes the same approach, like... Democrats are now going to sit down across the table from Republicans and and they're going to say Trump wants his wall and they're going to say okay well no. 
Well, well, no, this is what Democrats are going to say. They're going to say, okay, well, let's discuss. Like, maybe we could see through to giving some money for a guarantee for the Dreamers. No, no, no. He just wants his money. Oh, well, then there's nothing to talk about. And then he's going to get mad all over again. Right. Right. Like. So then what? I mean, I, 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 it's suicide, right, to do this again in three weeks, but I also don't see how we don't do it again. Because are they going to be like, okay, all of the children that are in internment camps right now in this country need to be let out, released, reunited with their families, no more family separation at the border. Yeah, we should um, not Please for call less off than that. everyone that's on the border right now, other than the people who were originally there. Mm-hmm. Um, let asylum seekers in, protections for dreamers in DACA. Um, and then maybe we'll give you some money for your stupid wall that's yeah, ever going to get built. Yeah, see, the problem is as But they're not going to do any no, of that. No, no, unless Stephen Miller got fired. No, we're not. We shouldn't. We shouldn't do anything less. You want a fucking wall? Okay, I'll give you a little bit of money for your wall. In return, you're going to give me all of the things that you fucked since you became president around immigration. Now, all of it and more, plus the dreamers. Yeah, and more. And you know what? That's what I'm talking about. And Nancy has the leverage. To try to push that now. And in the House, we've got some pretty amazing people that are like, yeah, no, I'm good with that. I'm not an old white dude who's been bought and paid for. I'm new. Yeah. I'm happy to do that. Right? So, so, but the problem is, <laughs> I, I I don't think Trump actually wants a deal. He just wants to fight. Um, no, he doesn't want a deal. He wants to say to his people, I'm getting a wall. Yeah. He's even given up on this idea that Mexico's going to pay for it. He's just like, oh, well, sure, we're sure. going to pay for it at this point. And it's like, where, <laughs> where's <laughs> yeah. the accountability and that's okay. there? And that's okay. Where's the accountability? Whatever. Nobody cares. Wait, wait, Mexico's going to pay for it? No, we're going to pay for it. Who's going to pay well, for it? Well, he tried to float this idea that, oh, well, with this recrafted NAFTA, we're going right. to have all this extra money. And that's what I meant. And so and use that money. On and then they were like, no, we're not well, doing that. Well, we'll take, we'll take money from uh, the California wildfire in Puerto Rico victims and like oh that's not, polling really bad not can't do, do that, that. Uh, like, well, how do I pay for it then and you're like you're not gonna fucking get a wall dude ever well this is what my gut tells me okay that yes Trump is crazy but uh, uh, assuming he doesn't like just lose his mind in 20 days Trump and McConnell and McCarthy know they can't shut down the fucking government again so Trump will probably do his emergency declaration hmm. and Hope for the best with that. I don't know. Okay. You tell me your gut. I'll tell you mine. That I mean, look, I hate the prognostication game, but that's just kind of what my gut tells me, that that's where we're headed. Either either some kind of deal is struck and Trump spins it as a big win, or uh, and he actually gives up quite a bit because there's a history of that. Mm-hmm. Remember, mm-hmm. remember, he fucked himself with the budget talks about a year ago. Yeah. And uh, so they could they could get him in a room and extract quite a bit and they should try. You know, for money for a wall that'll never get built, uh, or he'll do his emergency declaration. But he's 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 got to come out of this at least saying I tried or I did this to build the wall, and then the wall never gets built. And he's he knows but he's, he's long gone. He's not president he's long anymore. Gone. Who cares? Yeah, I, that's my gut. Is they'll make a deal. He'll give away the whole farm because that's the only way fucking Pelosi's doing anything. Well, good. She's not fucking around. Yeah, and she's been. She's not fucking around. Um, and she just won. 
Yeah. And so she knows that she can continue to win. And yeah. everyone is looking at her favorably. Yeah. So I think she gets him to give away the farm and he gets a couple million bucks and he gets to go on a press tour and say that he got his wall, which isn't true. And, and the media and will say it's not true and it doesn't matter. No, everyone they'll, will know they'll, it's they'll not build true. some sections of wall and he could stand there in front of it and say, look at this big, beautiful wall. And then I mean, you'll tear it down and it'll be fine. And then <laughs> his supporters will be like, see what a great deal maker he is. And the rest of us will go, thank God the government. Government's some, open and there's no walls. Some of his supporters and, will, but you no, know, his his hardcore the the Ann Coulter hardcore anti-immigration types, Tom Cotton, like they'll know if there's guaranteed for the Dreamers and no more family separation, yeah. they'll be super pissed about that. Yeah, but it, it it's still but very murky. Spin it and Sarah Huckabee Sanders will be like, "Isn't this a great victory for the president?" Which she's already said, which is hilarious. Um, yeah, that's, and, that's and, the only way they can spin it. There is no, it's not even spin at that point. It's just lying. <laughs> yeah. It's just lying because yeah. that's what they do because there's no other way to do it. Okay. So, Well, that ate up pretty much the first half of the I show. I have so many things to say more Yeah, about. we might uh, <laughs> pass the uh, uh, Netroots Radio broadcast. We might have a little uh, supplemental testimony for you. Yeah. We'll let you know uh, about that. Uh, but in any event, we're going to take a quick break. When we come back, we're going to talk about Roger Stone and some local stuff and all kinds of other crap. So stick around. More to come. Welcome back to Irreverent Testimony, where we just tried to watch Jerome Corsi be interviewed on MSNBC. Just <laughs> wasted two minutes of our lives. Yep. Listening to a fat old guy just basically go, that was basically it. Yeah. So we have a new segment, uh, stuff during the break that made Rachel happy yeah, for no, a change. I know. It's, it's good. So I don't know what she read. It's good. And we've got plenty of outrages for you later, but yeah. for now... Um, NPR, of all things, uh, posted a story about um, this uh, indigenous woman from the Navajo tribe who was uh, came out as a lesbian and um, was shunned by her immediate family, her mom in particular, um, and left uh, the, the the reservation and went on to have like an alcohol problem and blah blah blah. blah. But the part of the story that I think is really interesting and that NPR sort of got wrong, which is not that surprising, um, is that when she reconnected with her family, it was her grandmother, who was 93 at the time, who was like, oh, yeah, cool. No, it's great. Um, and then they sort of uncovered this um, um, idea that in indigenous 
peoples, um, LGBT people have always been a part of the narrative for indigenous folks. Mm -hmm. Um, And trans people too. Right. So they call them two spirited. NPR gets this really wrong. Um, they call, they say that they call two spirited people, intersex people, which that definitely includes, but also includes, um, trans people. Mm -hmm. Um, at least in the, um, tribes that I've spent time with, which is the Lakota Sioux, um, and all of that, uh, they, two spirited people, are seen as sacred people that can sort of um, bridge the gap between men and women when they're arguing. And they've always been sort of like this, like sacred people. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and the article sort of is talking about how um, when you go back sort of to people who were raised by people pre colonization um, or like, you know, around colonization before like the Christian schools and the boarding schools and all of that um, LGBT folks were, not only accepted, but just it was a part of life. It wasn't a thing that they had to like navigate or or come around to. It was just a part of their heritage and a part of their um, common understanding of the differences between people. And uh, I, I really appreciated that, although they got some of the facts wrong, NPR kind of highlighted that because um, it really was colonization that... Um, and Screwed all that up. Christian specifically white people (laughs) who decided that gay people and trans people um, were bad Um, and that like it's not like it's always been this and we've made this great progress it's that colonization happened and fucked it all up and now we're trying to get back to the part where everybody is allowed to be okay colonization fucked up along with economics and everything else racism and um, the environment enslavement all that all of it stuff but anyway i really appreciated that somebody said like hey indigenous people have always not been fucking transphobic um anti-lgbt assholes uh their actual history is the opposite of that so cool yeah okay uh so in addition to the government being open yesterday roger stone got arrested yeah for lying to Congress about... He, like, got perp-walked out of his house at 5 a.m.? Yes. He yes, just, he like, did. banged down his door, and he just got perp-walked right out by the FBI? There was a lot of pearl-clutching about that, too. Yeah. Which we won't get too into, but well, please. I, well, people were like, what was CNN doing out there? And it's like, I feel like CNN is outside of Roger Stone's house <laughs> all of the time. Well, no, like, there was a lot of activity in the, uh, I, I think, with um, in the courts... And they kind of put two and two together, and they said Stone's about to. Get, I think we're, we think Stone's about to get arrested. Let's get a camera crew there. And that's probably happened fifty times. Sure. And nothing happened. Yeah. This time something happened, and so. I, but I don't who think cares? Anybody tipped them off? Who right? cares? It doesn't matter. It doesn't. I matter. don't care if Robert Mueller personally called CNN and go, "We're arresting Roger Stone." Do you, you want to see him get perp walked? You should video this. But I it's funny care. knowing Roger Stone. He would a lot love of people that. think Roger Stone called CNN. Right. He would love it. <laughs> he is a publicity hound. He is a fucking weirdo. All right. Yeah. So. So got, Roger Stone got arrested basically for lying to Congress and charges. intimidating witnesses. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's a piece of work. He's a piece of shit. Is was what he is. Correct. There's all this. There, there's two things bothered me with the media yesterday coming covering his arrest. Anyway, let's I'll explain what his arrest is about in case you haven't been following. He was basically a go-between between WikiLeaks and disseminating the stolen information, the hacked uh, emails from the DNC and John, and John Podesta, Podesta that mm-hmm. the Russians hacked and then posted on WikiLeaks. And then uh, Roger Stone was sort of a conduit between the Trump 
members of the Trump administration. It's not campaign. totally clear uh, campaign. Sorry. Uh, to like sort of coordinate this dissemination with, you know, Trump rallying about it and talking about it. And, right. And destabilizing the DNC. And destabilizing the DNC. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that's highly problematic. But what he specifically, because it is hard to to prove in a court of law and get a conviction for conspiracy, which is not saying they're not going to do. But for now, we know what he has been charged with is lying to them. Uh, and lying and intimidating witnesses who were also being questioned about it. So what's really ironic about this is that, um, you know, we always say, like, if you don't learn from history, you'll repeat it. Yeah. And this is particularly prescient to this case because Roger Stone uh, was involved heavily with Nixon. Watergate. And Watergate. And has a literal Nixon tattoo uh, between his shoulder blades on his back, the face of Nixon, which I just saw on television and was like, okay. Yeah, um, and he's big into the swinger scene too. As I guess a big turn what? on for Jesus. women of a certain age. Fuck. Bracket to see Richard Nixon's true? face. Oh yeah. I mean that makes sense. Him and his fashion style thing that he has going. He's very like, I don't know. Yeah, and his heyday was the seventies. And right, he still looks like he's like, I don't know, uh, <laughs> a pimp. Yeah, him and Manafort were big swingers. Seventies. Uh, the way he I don't dresses care is ridiculous. But anyway. Uh, anyway, the point is he was one of Nixon's dirty tricksters. And it's funny, the, the Nixon library or the Nixon association or whatever came out and said, you know, he was a coffee fetcher. He was never had a big official position in the Nixon administration, which is true. He was one of these low level, you know, dirt bags. Right. That Nixon had, you know, were doing dirty tricks. Right. And, and rat fucking as, as the term was coined. And then Trump said, Hey, I, we need that Roger Stone. That sounds good. Is that, Let's I get need that one guy. of those guys. And he did. And he <laughs> right. got in trouble for it again. And he's old and he's going to do some time in jail, it looks like, almost certainly. Because uh, either I don't know if he'll flip or I don't even know if Mueller wants him as a cooperating witness. He's already said, like, I will never. I, he said I that, will sure. Never. But everyone right. has said that. Yeah, they always they do say it. That. And so, okay. But uh, in any event, yeah. So he, he he was indicted. This is not shocking news. Certainly, um, we all knew this was going to happen. He knew it was going to happen. Mm-hmm. Um, it is a development, certainly. Um, and and the the thing that I find the most interesting is the unsealing of his um, indictment. Which, so if you read it, um, it they make an argument. The Mueller uh, team makes an argument that this. So they have the indictment, and then there's a separate motion to seal the indictment prior to his arrest. Mm-hmm. And this motion says, you know, for various reasons um, that they lay out, this indictment cannot be made public for reasons that he may flee the country, he may destroy evidence, we're not ready yet. Like, I'm indicting him now, but please don't unseal it until he's arrested. Mm-hmm. Um, which is not common um, in the general course of criminal justice, but I think the thing that I find most interesting about that is that that's basically a template for all the other indictments that are sitting there. And we and, know, I think there's at least four more. Right, and there could be who knows how many more. Yeah. But this is Mueller's um, sort of backup so that if, you know, there was a Saturday Night Massacre and mm-hmm. Trump had him fired mm-hmm. or whatever, these indictments are already there. And so all that needs to happen for them to be unsealed is that 
somebody from law enforcement has to go pick this guy up. But the indictment is prepared. All of the facts have been presented. Um, it's been accepted by the court. And so that all that needs to happen is that this person gets arrested and then all the facts come through. So this yeah. is another layer of security that Robert Mueller has built into his investigation so that um, should Trump do some bullfuckery, um, his investigation is not to be thwarted. And I think this is the first time we're seeing what that looks like and what the sort of level to which he's playing chess. Well, um, and I, I think Matt Whitaker had to sign off on this too. Well, I don't know. I mean, I, I don't know when this was originally um, presented to the court and when it was sealed. This could have been six months ago. Yeah, but probably um, not. I would think it's probably been sitting around for a while. And yeah. that, that this, you think they bypassed a, Whitaker? Yeah. I think that oh. probably it was uh, Rosenstein still. Um, and I think there's a lot of them that's sitting there that are in this exact same position so that no matter what Trump does, the people who are involved that they know have um, criminal uh, you liability. Know, liability, that those people will absolutely be indicted. Um, the indictment's already done. They just haven't been arrested. Yeah. I don't know why the timing is the way that it is, but I don't care. Um, but I do think it's interesting from a legal perspective that, um, that we're first. this is the first sort of template we're seeing of, of how these indictments are going to go down. How many of them there are, I think, I don't know. But uh, So, yeah, so Corsi is now on MSNBC saying he's, he's, he, has, he doesn't remember anything and he told the truth to the best of my ability, which means he lied to the special prosecutor. So and, tell me, I mean, we talked about it, but let's tell people who the fuck is Jerome Corsi. <laughs> Jerome Corsi, man, he's one of these right-wing quote-unquote doctors it's kind of unclear where his doctorate comes from or uh, like he's some... not a medical doctor <laughs> no, right no no okay. he's a phd in you know being an asshole or something right he was one of the architects of the swift boat movement uh of john Kerry. right later on he was very big in the birther conspiracy and then he got into really loony stuff uh doing like youtube videos talking about how obama's wedding ring mean, means he's a gay muslim and he's married to a gay muslim guy and right. think weird shit like that and then he popped up again as sort of a go between with stone and assange and wikileaks and disseminating russian information and um and, and now he's talking on MSNBC why because he is person number 1 in the stone indictment okay yeah so he's He's next. So people were saying that President Trump would be person number one, but it's not. No, 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 no. It, it was clear he that Trump wasn't that not in this one. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Person number one, he was in in another one having to do with Manafort. Gotcha. <laughs> but in the Stone one, that's Corsi, and so and he's doing a PR tour for what reason? Because he hasn't been indicted yet. He hasn't or? been indicted yet. It seems like he will, but it'll he'll it, probably be lesser because he's cooperated. He ratted on Stone, among other people, basically. So I think he's going to probably get off light. But I don't really care. I mean, of course he's an idiot. Uh, and he's, he's like a, a weird conspiracy theorist nut job, yeah. old man. Yeah. So yeah, he's okay. he's low on the on the list of. Okay. Uh, he's just annoying, and, he, and certainly in liberal circles, he's just. You know, almost pebble in your shoe. Yes, laughably pathetic at this point, and it it is just sort of telling that he's still this major figure uh, on the right, and in a in a successful presidential campaign is a little shocking. The guy who makes the Obama is a gay Muslim because of his wedding band uh, videos, but right. that's 
that's what your Republican Party I mean, is now. That's what you guys did. It's so. Alex Jones and Jerome Corsi and Roger Stone and QAnon and Pizzagate and like that's what it is. Yep. <laughs> Here's where you are. Speaking of which, uh, some idiot tried to set fire to Comet Ping Pong yesterday or the day before. The pizza place? Yes. The pizza gate place. So that's still good. It's that's still circulating uh, in the in the Reddits and the okay. 4chans. Okay. Pizza gate. I thought it might might have gotten just rolled up into the QAnon thing, you know, when the storm comes and everybody gets arrested that they'll shut down Comet Ping Pong and free the the, the children in the basement. The traffic like, children in the basement that right, doesn't exist. Right. So, mm-hmm. I mean, plus, if you're going to burn down that place, aren't you burning the child the sex slaves in the, in the basement In the basement too? that doesn't exist? Guess he didn't think that one through. Those poor people who own that place. I mean, Jesus Christ. Yeah, it's been double-edged sword. I think they've gotten a lot more business since then. <laughs> yeah, but their, their fucking restaurant just got burned down too. Well, it didn't get burned down. Some idiot just like tried to and literally couldn't set it oh. on fire oh. and then ran and they oh. have him on video. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So So there's that. They're so good at this, baby. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, are we ready to move on to some local stuff? I would love to. Okay. Well, I'll, I'm going to kind of let you take the driver's seat in this one. So locally, uh, very close to my heart, um, is a case that just wrapped up this week in Colorado, the case of Elizabeth Epps. Um, and if you don't know who Elizabeth Epps is, that's okay. You should look it up. She is an activist and, um, an abolitionist of jails and prisons. She has an organization that she's the executive director of called the Colorado Freedom Fund, which, um, accepts donations to bail people out of jail. Um, one of her main focuses is to end cash bond. Um, and I'm just going to tell you a little bit about that for a minute, and then I'll get into her case and what happened. But in Colorado, something that I think will happen pretty quickly now that we are bright blue um, that should change is that people are being held in jails for bonds of 10 to 20 to 30 to 40 to $50. And Sometimes these people cannot afford ten to twenty to thirty to fifty dollars. Um, in addition to their bail, which could be ten bucks, there's also a court fee of fifty dollars, and then an additional thirty dollars in administrative fees. And so your ten dollar um, bond can become a hundred dollar bond. And that might not seem like a lot to a lot of people, but for a lot of folks that are incarcerated, particularly given. Um, Denver's uh, urban camping laws, which is a way to say that homeless people can't sleep outside. Um, this is an, an unmanageable fee that they can't afford to pay. And so a lot of people end up staying in the city or county jail for months and months mm-hmm. and months at a time for a fee as low as $100, $80. I mean, a, a ridiculously low amount. And so Elizabeth Epps... Um, created the Colorado Freedom Fund to bail those people out. Um, And she does that every day, all day long. She just goes and sits in jails and bails people out for 80 bucks, 100 bucks, 120 bucks, um, and gets them out of fucking jail. Um, And it's amazing. And I think the Colorado state legislature this year is going to end the system of of, – cash bond and the system of you have to be in jail because you're poor. Yeah, well, we have an AG to actually might do it. He is in favor of it, as is uh, the Colorado 
Dems. Um, so I think that's something that we'll be able to do. But in the meantime, she does real actionable work on the ground every single day. She sits in jails all day long because once you bail someone out, it takes hours for that shit to get processed, right? It takes hours of sitting there and paperwork and signing papers and all this stuff for 80 bucks. Mm-hmm. Um, and so she's just, just doing the best work. Um, so back in 2015, um, Elizabeth was at a pool party at an apartment complex with a friend of hers. And there was a young man who was experiencing a mental health crisis and um, climbing a tree and just sort of like, you know, having um, a mental health crisis. And someone at the apartment complex called the police. And when the police arrived, um, Elizabeth told the young man that he should not speak to the police, Um, offered him a ride home um, and got into a skirmish with the police because they... um, ordered her to leave the property um, and she was invited there and there was no reason for them to do that. Um, Anyway, if you asked her what happened and what she was eventually convicted of, she would say, talking back to the police while black. And I think that's right. And uh, the fun part about this case is that you can go online and search for Elizabeth Epps. Elizabeth is with an S and Epps with two Ps. Um, She posted a video of the encounter with the police back in 2015 because this was a time when Denver cops, Aurora cops, and cops all over the country were killing black people. And so she was smart enough to record this interaction um, so that the facts of the case are very clear. Um, She was charged with obstructing... uh, the police with interfering with the police investigation with, I want to say, uh, assault, um, and battery and, um, resisting arrest. She was then hogtied, thrown in the back of a police car, arrested and taken to jail. Um, she then got a pro bono attorney, went to trial. The trial was an absolute fiasco. Um, the judge in her case, which was out of the Aurora Municipal Court in Colorado, um, presided over by Judge Sean Day, who is a fucking maniac. Um, the transcripts are available if you want to read them. I think you should. Um, he tried to put a gag order on Twitter. Uh, he is a crazy, drunk-with-power municipal judge who nobody cares about because it's a municipal case. Um, and he's really problematic. Um... Anyway, the trial was a disaster, but she was acquitted of all of the charges with the exception of interfering with police because that's really hard to deny that she did, in fact, tell that young man that he should not talk to the police and he didn't talk to the police and he's fine. Um, so she was she was convicted of that. Judge Sean Day um, sentenced her to 90 days in jail. It's important to note that due to her work with... Um, uh, ending cash bail and sort of being a general like prison and jail abolitionist she was very well known to the officers and to the court um, and they knew who she was and they um, I think that's part of the reason that she was arrested and I think that that's part of the reason that she was sentenced the way that she was sentenced um, to give you some kind of I don't know context a Lakewood police officer um, who was convicted of sexually assaulting someone while on duty that he had arrested was also sentenced to 90 days in jail. So, Elizabeth Epps was sentenced to 90 days in jail. She went through a lengthy appellate process. 
Um, her attorneys at the time were did a really bad job at her original appeal. Um, her appeal to the Colorado Supreme Court was denied, um, and she was sentenced on Wednesday to 90 days. 60 days of that was suspended, um, and she will do 27 days of work release. What's fun about that is that work release for Elizabeth means bailing people out of jail. <laughs> so on her first day in jail, um, so she gets to go Oops. out of jail from eight to five. <laughs> and think that she through. is being jailed at the most diverse and populous jail in the state of Colorado. Um, during her first night in jail, right? Because she gets to be out from eight to five. During her first night from five till eight the next morning, she had organized a bunch of people and had three people that she then bonded out during her work release the next day who she was jailed with, which is the greatest irony of all and the greatest thing that could possibly happen. Um, And so for the next 27 days, she will be um, organizing uh, prisoners and bonding people out that she's currently with. Um, through the help of the Colorado Freedom Fund. And I would really, really appreciate if any of you could donate to her. This is really personal to me. Um, and <clears throat> I was there at the sentencing. I helped to um, read through the transcripts and, and do the Supreme Court um, appeal that was that was eventually denied. Um, I think she's a tremendous human being. There's also a YouTube video of her speaking at the Martin Luther King Jr. uh, maraid in Denver two days before her sentencing that is extraordinary. Um, And so anyway, if you guys got a couple extra bucks to donate to the CFF Colorado Freedom Fund to help Elizabeth bail out some of her (laughs) uh, jailmates. Where can I find that online? uh, ColoradoFreedomFund.org, I think. Um, And we can post a link in the show notes. Uh, But seriously, she does amazing work and she's a tremendous human being and I... Uh, it was really sad to watch her get carted away to jail. And also, I think that like they have no idea what they've just done. Yeah. Okay. Uh, also, we are on the verge of a teacher strike. Uh, yes. Of course, the one in L.A. looks like it's been resolved, which is great. Mm-hmm. Um, and the teachers are going to get, you know, some, some good... Um, uh, they got a lot of what they wanted. Not yeah. everything. You never get everything you want. Um, unless you're Nancy Pelosi dealing with Trump. Um, but the L.A. teachers strike, um, they, they got a lot of concessions. And now in Denver, they're on the verge of that happening. And, and there's Correct. a lot to unpack in this. We've talked about it before. We have this awful longstanding law wherein schools are chronically underfunded because yep. of our stupid taxpayers' Bill of Rights, mm-hmm. uh, which hopefully will go away one day. But in the meantime... Teachers are horrifically underpaid in this state, especially relative to how well the state economy is doing overall mm-hmm. and the cost of living. Correct. It's insanity. Yes. We're like number 48 out of 50 for school funding, and we are doing economically better than a lot of states in this country. Yeah. And that's because we cannot actually change the way that our tax dollars are spent in this state yeah. without a amendment to the constitution but even even within the budget available uh teachers feel they're not being given a fair shake and they aren't uh, they are also some of the lowest paid teachers this is specific to denver so this is the denver this is not like statewide colorado this is denver public schools this is denver although denver of course is the most populous city in the state by far 
So incredibly uh, diverse and also. But let's talk about the uh, Denver Public Schools PR department. Oh, and the way oh, they're handling this. Oh, gosh, they're doing they, such a good job right now. They no. must have like Trump administration flunkies working there or something. Like my my literal cat could do a better job than what they're doing. So this letter got sent out to all of the teachers. And it's from DPS, right? From Denver Public Schools. And it's just a notification that uh, any teachers who are immigrants uh, will be reported to the federal government if they go on strike. What the hell does that even mean? Does that imply that there are undocumented teachers working as teachers like certified as teachers because you have to be i've looked into it you right this is not one of these states where you can sort of waltz no. in off the street and no. you have a degree or an a you're no. a teacher like you have to be certified well and what it, if you have a misdemeanor what if you got in a, like you know ran a stop sign what if you you know got a dewey one time what if you have a misdemeanor on your record and sure, you're but, an immigrant if you get reported to ice you get deported regardless but, of your status if you are an immigrant like this is a serious thing but 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 it doesn't make sense is my point i've been i've started the certification process and the first thing you have to do is prove citizenship it's like what the first thing I don't know if you have to prove citizenship or you have to prove, like, legal status. I don't think you have to be a citizen to be a teacher in Denver. You have to prove legal status. Well, if you have legal status, and what's your, legal your fear of deportation? The fear of deportation. deportation is that if you have legal status and you have a misdemeanor on your oh. record and you report that person to ICE, they get fucking deported okay. under Trump. Okay, All right. Right? Yep. That's a good Not I, citizen. I legal status. Right? Yeah. So they're basically threatening any teacher who is not a citizen of this country who just has legal status, and, and it can be anything from, like, an eviction or, I mean, anything, right? Yeah. Your husband yeah, did something. Yeah, an, un, an unpaid you, parking ticket. Yeah, or, yeah. like, you and your husband got in a fight, and you, you know, you, you had this and the neighbors, DV charge. And the neighbors called the cops, and, and they arrested the you cops they showed up and said, we, ha- we have to arrest somebody. Um, right, so it can be anything. It's, it's yeah. a threat against someone's uh, immigration status, and... It was well. It was reported to the re- news. Was, yes, somebody sent this letter that they received to this guy Kyle Clark at Nine News. That's local guy. Uh, he's pretty good, and he just blew it up. And then in, almost immediately, I think within like an hour, <laughs> DPS was like, "Oh no, wait, hold on, hold that's on. not what I, we meant." Um, I think that person who sent the letter and misunderstood what was, we were trying to say. It was Chad say. the intern and, and Chad the um, intern's been reassigned. We just let Chad the intern send letters out <laughs> with our signatures on them all willy-nilly. Chad yeah. the intern can just be like, you're fired. And we'd be like, oh no, Chad. Oh, So we fired the intern. Literally. Like, no joke. Yeah. They were like, person who sent that out didn't have authorization to do so and that's not what we said <laughs> that's not what we meant and like obviously that's bullshit right yes you're sending got- a, a teacher wide letter in advance of a strike threatening people that didn't go through 17 layers of people right so once it got broken they were like no 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 no, we're not doing that we won't we would never do that why would we do that we're not monsters <laughs> no, no, no we're not gonna do that it's fine Don't, no, no, no. it's fine but then that wasn't enough was oh it? no no we have more so then they decided okay well what are we going to do here? Because, like, everybody likes the teachers and they definitely are underpaid and under-resourced. I know what we'll do. Who's not unionized? Oh, the contractors. Ugh. 
So everybody who cleans our schools and serves our kids lunches and drives buses and all of the other functions of a school are not part of a union. Let's send them a letter and tell them that if they participate in the strike, they will not be protected because they are not unionized and therefore they will be fired. Mm. So all contracted workers who are not unionized will be fired if they don't come to work during the strike. This is all, of course, to try to turn public sentiment against the teachers uh, well, for considering the strike. Well, but it's such a stupid idea. that what, All that happened was people were like, what are you fucking monsters? Okay, unionize them. Yeah, exactly. Unionize them then. I mean, I guess we'll just make them a union immediately because now you're threatening people who are already at, you know, a, a sort of underprivileged role in our school system, but provide an essential, right, duty. Like, we have to be able to clean up after monsters that are children and, like, you know, provide them lunch and drive them to school. Now you're going to punish these people because the teachers are unionized and they're not. Is all that that's the whole PR campaign was just like, oh, okay. So we should definitely have unions for everyone then. Because mm-hmm. now you're just threatening people who are lesser than sort of like on the societal hierarchy of like classism. And so that backfired, right? And everyone was like, the fuck are you doing? And <laughs> DPS was like, they haven't said anything to my knowledge yet about that. Um, and of course, they're right. You know, these contractors are not protected. No. In the same way that we were talking about no, we the just, federal we contractors the first, not being protected, first right? Half, yeah. And so these people absolutely can be fired if they don't show up for work. They have no protection under a union. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think, again, this is like coming to that tipping point locally. And then I think nationally where it's like, hmm, when did we get rid of workers' protections? And how did that happen? And why did and it And why happen? did it happen? And why are we okay with it? Because I'm not okay with it. Are you okay with it? No, I'm not okay with it. And I think people are like, maybe we should go back to that worker protection thing because this is bullshit. Yeah. And I think when you do things like, it would have been in DPS's better interest to not say anything, right? It would have been in the federal government's best interest to not decide that contractors don't get back pay. Because when you start talking about this and talking about worker rights and talking about how workers are segregated by things and some people are protected and some people aren't, then people go, wait a minute. Why is the bus driver not protected, but the substitute teacher is, or the the teacher is, or the, you know? I mean, and then they start talking about, these are all workers. They all work for our kids. And one thing that's encouraging is that so far, all the Democratic presidential hopefuls, and I don't think we'll be able to get to too much of that today, but they're all pounding on that message really hard. Yeah. You know, war is all over it. and, And not just the Democratic presidential people, but like, Congress. Congress. Yeah. All the Democrats are like, oh, we want to do unions again? This is great. (laughs) And they're all, and people are like, yeah. And then AOC comes in and she's like, we should tax the fuck out of rich people. And they're like, yeah. And the Republicans are like, hold on, hold on. We don't want to, like, fucking, what's his name? Hannity. Maybe it was Tucker. I can't remember. One of those idiots. Um, Came on and was just like, this is unimaginable. Can you? And he did this whole segment (laughs) outlining AOC's plan and like everyone was like this sounds really good yeah this sounds great and he said he didn't his people he like literally reading her plan he thought would be like this thing that would scare up people and instead people were like that sounds really good yeah yeah no I like that idea I like that I like that a lot 
Yeah, now they're going to fear monger and, and lie and be like, everybody, she wants to tax everybody at 70%. She wants to take 70% of your income. Right. Um, it was totally Hannity because he was like, and then what? And then over $50 million, it's at 90%. Then you have no money left. And I was like, <laughs> mm, No, that's not how that works. Uh, every, that means every any, dollar any after $50 human million. being who listened to that was like, after $50 million, you tax them at 90%. That means you have no money left. You're like, well, you have fifty million dollars, <laughs> right? Like, I don't have fifty million dollars, so like, yeah. what do you? What is exactly. fifty million dollars? No money left. Like, as, if I had fifty million dollars, I wouldn't be like, I have no money I, left. As dumb as Hannity's viewers are, <laughs> they were like, they could still mm, add two and two together and be like, well, you're wait saying a minute. fifty million dollars is no money? Is yeah. that what you're saying to him? <laughs> right. Right, it's that thing. With yeah. The guy was like, I don't know how grocery stores work, and why can't they take out a loan? And he's like, $50 million, and I have no money. And you're like, wait a minute. Yeah, wait. Sean Hannity is probably what? right on the verge of being a billionaire. Yeah, right? So, so like, $50 million for him is like, literally, yeah, for, I would have no money left. Well, no, to him it would really impact him, because I think he makes between all of his stuff upwards of $70, $80 million a year. So that, that $30 million extra would be... He, he he. Most of it would be taxed, and that's gotta be horrifying right. to and him. And like her other proposal is like, he earned that. Ta- money. So it's like fifty million in total. Like assets are like not touchable, but then ten million dollars a year is all you can make. And then if you make over everything after the ten million dollars a year, which can you imagine making ten million dollars a year? Ten well, million dollars a year, you make. <laughs> no. It's all yours. Can't imagine everything. Regular much taxes, right? Regular taxes, yeah, ten yeah, million dollars. Yeah. Everything over that is seventy percent taxed. Yeah, and that so was that, that was not 70... the highest marginal tax rate we've ever had. No, In it's the not 50s, even close. I think it was ninety. That's how we built a fucking middle class. Yes, that's how we built the infrastructure of this country. Yes, was by taxing things. That's how we built over... a space program and a highway yep. system and yep. a modern military and yep. all those things you are proud of, right? <laughs> and enjoy. That's how we did it. And and for the last 30, 40 years, we've gone completely backwards. And guess what? Our roads are falling apart and the Chinese are up visiting places on the moon. We can't anymore. Right. And, and but I think like we've always known this, but like there's this weird thing happening right now that I think people are like figuring it out well, slowly. That makes sense. And in part, I have to be honest, I've been yelling and yelling about messaging from the Democrats for a long time. And I think that like people like AOC are coming in and being like, yo, this is what I'm saying, not what they're saying. Listen to me. You make $10 million a year. The other 50 million you make, yeah, I'm gonna tax it at 50%, 70%, 90%. You need more than $10 million a year? You already have how much if you make $10 million a year? And that people are like, yeah. I mean, and that's going to go to schools and roads right. and military and infrastructure and, and it's going to literally healthcare. fund our country. And then she goes back to the 50s and she talks about all that stuff. And people are like, right, that was, huh. And then Sean Hannity just spells out her entire plan and says, isn't this terrible? And, and even like, his viewers are like, like no, no, that's that pretty sounds good. pretty good. Well, who that sounds like a good idea. Maybe we should do that. And you know who's backing up Hannity? The the billionaires in Davos. They're oh, this, this is, is terrible. terrible. <laughs> because trickle downs obviously worked. Right. I think pe- really, for them, seriously. I mean, it has become just so clear now that it's like this is bad for who, us. Like who is mad and who is not? And you still have that element 
that person that that thinks, well, I'm I'm going to make this right. business and I'm going to be, yeah, I'm going to yes. be, uh, may yes. have a hundred million dollars in income a year from my business. I'm going to start one day. Right. And I don't want that tax right. high, so I'm gonna, right. yeah, right. I say no to this. So Josh, I, but, but I'm gonna not... have to have this conversation with him, and he's that guy. Yeah. Well, I, if I made a hundred million dollars a year, I wouldn't want ninety percent of it to be taxed, and I'll say it won't be. You get to keep the first ten million. The next ninety million that you made that year, we're gonna tax you at seventy percent. So you'll still have, you know, thirty million to add to your ten million. <laughs> Do you need more than that in a year? Meanwhile, we'll have schools and hospitals and roads. Your kid will grow up in a society that functions. How about that? And he might say, and that's well, no, if you make a hundred million dollars a money. year, and you yeah. won't right make a hundred million dollars a year ever. Yeah, but I, I in your I, life, I, you yeah. won't. Josh is not going to. No, I'm not. going to. I mean, to. that would be wonderful. If You're you did. not going to. But let's be realistic. None of us are going to make a hundred million dollars a year. No, not 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 the way we see the world. <laughs> We're not. It's about the 30 people who own more money than the rest of us. Mm-hmm. Do you really care about 30 people? Yeah, it's and it's, their money. It's a tough who sell anymore, cares? even to conservatives. I mean, yeah. 30 people versus 380 billion. Well, that's the other side of, pop, I mean, of populism, right? Because because Trump and what you see in Europe, there's this wave of populism, and it's fueled by anti-immigration. But when you see what these people are really about. And it comes to like what they really want, what they're really doing, like that sheen wears off. And you're like, no, they're not for us. No, they're so not. So they'll still, so, you know, Uncle Louie, he'll still be racist. Yes. But he'll be like, well, I, you know, these fat cats don't even know how much a gallon of milk costs. F them. Right. And they may sit out or they may vote for the Democrat because plenty of them did vote for Obama. They did. Even if they're racist. I know it's hard for people to wrap their head around, but like. Voting is weird and nuanced. Yes. It's not as cut and dry as people think. Right. And yeah, I, I think you're right. I think there is a, a change happening. There's and a shift going on. In the same way that I think when we talked about the Me Too movement, there was just this like feeling, this shift of like, mm-hmm. mm, we're done. We're fucking done. I feel like this is maybe we're getting to this point where we're like... <laughs> This is bullshit. I have so much more to get to. We're, we're definitely going to have extra time. I think so, because I got to talk about like this black, blackface shit and Bernie Sanders and like, <laughs> Jesus Christ. Well, speaking of Me Too, and this might be the last thing for the Net, Net Roots broadcast, but um, Joni Ernst mm-hmm. came out and said, mm-hmm. hey, I have to tell you, I was abused by my ex-husband well, and so I was raped in college and I was sexually harassed. This is not... This I want to be really clear about this. How it happened is really fucked up. Mm-hmm. She filed for divorce, and her divorce proceedings were leaked. And in those proceedings was the allegation that her husband raped her. And that got leaked to the media. And so she did not have a Me Too moment. She was outed. And it's really fucked up that that happened. Yeah. And as a result of that, she was really fucking brave and like told a bunch of other things that happened to her. But this was not a moment where she decided to do this. And it's really fucked up that somebody leaked that that happened to her. And I think it's fucked up. I don't give a shit what her politics are. Well, I disagree with that. And 
I disagree with what her politics are, and I think we need to talk about her politics and the disconnect there. But I think it's really fucked up that somebody leaked her fucking divorce. Files. I agree a hundred percent. That's that not that a is thing not that you do. It's not okay. That that this is not a choice that she made. This is something that happened to her. Was it her husband's her? attorney or maybe her I, husband? Nobody, or? we don't know who leaked yeah. it. But this is why we know this is not because she was like, I'm coming out to be like me too. This is not what happened. Mm-hmm. It was not consensual that this information was made public and that's fucked up. Yeah. You don't get to do that to other people. It's her fucking story. So I'm going to start with that and then we can get into, I think, things that we agree on about how fucked up she is, but like... That's not okay. I agree. I agree. Uh, anyway, that's going to do it for the Netroots crowd. Uh, Netroots folks, uh, find us in the podcast at Podbean, Irreverent Testimony, and you can hear the rest of what we have to say at Irreverent Duo on uh, Twitter, Irreverent Testimony at gmail.com. Talk to you next week. Bye. Okay, for everybody else, uh, continuing with the Jody Ertz yeah. thing, remember, this is someone who voted for Kavanaugh. Yes. This is someone who voted not to reauthorize the Violence Against Women Act. Yep. Um, I mean, well, I don't know what to say about that. I, I can't just say, oh, well, like, and, and, and like Joni Ernst isn't unique probably in that, again, this is the thing, right? Every woman has these stories and we look at, at, at female Republicans and go, what the hell, um, I mean, do you want me to talk about this? Or yes. Or do you have a thing? Okay. Yes. I, 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 I'm trying to... I, we've talked about it before, but it's hard to wrap my head around. I know. It's hard. Um, I, I think to start off, what happened to her is horrible. And it's not okay for it to happen to any woman ever anywhere. She was assaulted. She was raped. She was beaten. It's harrowing what happened to her. And it's not okay for it to happen to her or to Ann Coulter or to anybody. No, ever. of course not. It doesn't matter what her politics are. What happened to her is horrifying. But that's not that's not what I mean. And but we gotta start with that. Okay. Fair. You know what I mean? Fair enough. Because like she's a fucking woman and she's a human being, and that's fucked up what happened to her. Absolutely. Don't give a shit who you are. You don't do that to people. Absolutely. hundred okay. percent correct. Now just like Melania Trump should not get sex shamed because she was posed nude. No. Why? Also, Jesus fucking Christ. Already with posing nude, who cares? <laughs> um, so Joni Ernst is really problematic. And she's a fucking garbage person in a lot of ways in terms of politics. Um, and she's voted against everything that I believe in. She and I are fundamentally oppositional in every way that you could imagine. Yes. Um I think she should not be an elected official. I think that she should not be in public life. I think that her views are really damaged and torturing and like just awful. And how do you get from a sexual assault victim to confirming Brett Kavanaugh, confirming Brett Kavanaugh and believing that women do not should not have the Violence Against Women Act and voting against the ERA and like all of these things. Right. How do you get there? Yeah, that's my question. Right. And so I don't have a solid answer for you on that, but I can party tell you. Party loyalty? Like I got to no, tell the party line to get ahead? But why are you a part of that party, right? Well, uh, I don't think it's any of that. Stop. It's not any of that. Let's not be cynical. Uh, well, no, it's, I'm not being cynical. I'm, I'm, I'm thinking this is a calculus someone like Joni Ernst makes was like, 
I believe in small government and I believe in the economic policies and, and I'm a woman of faith. And yeah, it's, it's terrible that, you know, there's all this misogynistic crap, but I'll just have to swallow that because I believe in all this other stuff. That could be. And, and I believe in strong military. I think she's got a military background too. I also think that women like Joni Ernst um, are heavily influenced by religion. Yes. And so when we all boil it down back to, I don't think it has to do with economics. I don't think it has to do with the military. I don't think it has to do with anything other than the fact that she's an evangelical Christian. Mm. And the evangelical Christian faith has a lot of things to say about women and about women and sex. And none of them are good. (laughs) And if you internalize all that shit over the course of your life, which I'm sure she has, you believe that... That was probably your fault. I'm sure that her divorce attorney had to talk her in to saying that this happened and that it was wrong. Right. And when she votes for Kavanaugh, she doesn't look at herself. She looks at that woman and says, yeah, first of all, you were asking for it. Yeah, because you were at a party. You were at a party. You were drinking with men. Second of all, this is what happens to us. This is the Lord's way. Men get to do this and you don't get to be upset about it. And party loyalty. But those two first things, that's some internalized misogyny that is deep fucking rooted. And it is not to be whisked away by anything else. It is toxic, violent and dangerous what evangelical Christianity does to women. I'm really glad you brought that up because that's an excellent segue. Because before the world melted down yesterday, one of the big stories of the week, uh, there's been a hashtag on if you're on Twitter mm-hmm. and, and a hashtag on Twitter uh, called uh, Exposing Christian Schools. Yeah, Exposed Christian Schools. Exposed Christian Schools. Mm-hmm. That's basically headed by a guy named Christopher Stroop. Who's an ex-evangelical, um, you know, and went to school here in Colorado, I believe, he, in the Springs. Yeah, I've actually reached out to him to get him on the podcast, and he expressed some interest, but he's really busy these yeah, days. Yeah, I think he's been especially because the-, the hashtag is blown up. Yeah, yeah. So I don't know if we're gonna be able to actually get him, but he he knows about us. So hi, Chris, if you're listening, <laughs> uh, he's great. But he um, he started this hashtag, and some good stories have come out, and there was a huge organized backlash yeah. against it. Yeah. And, you know, they're, they're getting very, very defensive, as, as you might imagine they would. Because what does that mean, expose Christian schools? What that means is, if you went to a Christian school, tell me your story. Mm-hmm. And boy, have people been telling their stories. Yeah. And they are every bit as violent and emotionally torturous and... Horrifying. Horrifying and abusive and everything that you would imagine going to a Christian, an evangelical Christian school would be like. Mm-hmm. And so when we have these figures come out, like Joni Ernst, who was raped by her husband um, and beaten and abused, um, and then we wonder why she votes for Kavanaugh, it is literally like a deep-rooted sense of, it's ingrained, right? This evangelical thing, this religious part is ingrained in these women, Um and it's toxic and it, it, it prevents them from being able to understand that what happened to them is systemic. Mm-hmm. And, it, and when they see something like Me Too, they're like, they don't, they can't connect to that because they don't understand their experience to be related to 
something systemic. They understand their experience to be personal Mm -hmm. and they can't connect it to other people's experiences. And the work of sociology is to sort of say like, oh, I lost my job and I'm broke. That must mean that I'm a poor asshole who does nothing and I'm worthless and I'm depressed. Rather than say, oh, let me look outward and see that like unemployment is at 60% and everybody lost their job and everybody can't afford things, right? Well, it's the same thing. That also introduces another broader topic and issue in that everything has become politicized and polarized. Like wanting to clean up the environment didn't used to be a political thing. Right. Like Nixon, where we just talked about, passed all kinds of environmental laws. Well, it and wasn't political. It was there was these super fun sites, but there was fucking green news coming up in people's pools, and, and they were like, "Holy shit, we Lake, gotta do something." And Lake Erie was catching on fire, right. and there's garbage everywhere, and and, the, and the, everybody the pollution was toxic. You couldn't you breathe, couldn't the breathe air. anything. And Democrats and Republicans, were like, everybody all was right, like, we "This fix is this. horrible. What do we do?" Yeah, and, and the thing was regulation, and everyone was like, "Okay, let's do that." And the businesses were like, mm. Mm. But they, there was no like no, lobby because yeah. there was no like environmental thing. It was just the environment's gross. Let's fix it. So we did. Yes. Under Nixon of all people. And then we get into the 80s mm-hmm. and Reagan, this Reagan philosophy of all regulation is bad. Reagan Thatcher. Yeah. And regulation stifles innovation and stifles the economy. Right. And that has been pervasive ever since. And now it has become a partisan thing to where. If, if you're a person in a Republican neighborhood and you're thinking like oh, global warming is really a problem, but that's the thing the liberals do. I can't, you know, mm-hmm. I can't like, you know, hang out with the liberals. And but, it's re- so then you convince yourself that you don't want clean up water and clean air. That's right. And that your house can be overtaken by the ocean because you want to pwn the libs. <laughs> yes. That's, that's where we are. That's where we no are. No joke. That's where we are. The same thing with the Me Too movement. Yep. It Same used with everything. to be everything. It used to be that if you raped a woman, um, that was just universally bad. Well, I don't think that's actually true. You'd say it was bad, but we've always been really bad as a country about actually holding men accountable. As for, a world, yeah, for for hurting women. So maybe that's not true, actually. Unless it was a black man and a white woman. Yeah, in which yeah, case, yeah. That that was always mm-hmm. super just. Um, yeah. Anyway, I don't know where you're going with that, but <laughs> I'm not sure. I don't remember either, but that was another thing. <laughs> the Joni Ernst, right? Like the, like, and the ex evangelical yeah. thing. So yeah. hopefully we'll get Christopher Stroop on sometime, which would be amazing, uh, to talk more in depth about that. Um, we talked, we covered the potential teacher strike. Um, I wanted to also talk about, okay. So <laughs> I don't want to talk too much about this because I think it's gotten way too much airtime. The Covington High School kids. Um, that was a big, big deal everybody cared about. We talked about it at length when it first happened. We talked about the it extended length. video. And then there's an extended video. Them, which didn't. Which it didn't. It showed the exact same thing as before, basically. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, that's the, that's the weird thing is that the media kind of lost their minds when it's like, oh, well, it turns out the, the the indigenous guy walked up to the kid. And I'm like, well, I never assumed otherwise. I, you know, that what does that have to do with anything? It doesn't have anything to do with anything. But then people the pretended The indigenous guy did. did what indigenous people do, particularly in his role Try in to indigenous communities, which was to be a peacemaker. Yes. And so he stood between two warring groups in an attempt to protect them both. 
and what he got was exactly what you saw, which is smirking mockery. Yeah. So let, let, let's paint the, the picture a little better, because if you all you saw was the kid smirking at the native guy, because that's all you saw for the first couple of days. Right. It was more complicated. There was this group of it was the uh, what do they call the the Israelites, Hebrew Israelite. There's a bunch of crazy people who basically stand on street corners and, and catcall and curse at everybody to try to get attention. And there are some there are a weird cult. Right. They're a weird, weird cult. And because of the Right to Life March, which is a bunch of Catholics, there yeah. was some sort of bullshit going on. They decide on. to show up because that's a great place to troll people and get into shouting matches and get yourself on and camera. fine. Okay, who cares? Yeah. So then they, so the they, Indigenous Peoples March, though, was the like March for Indigenous Peoples was happening that yes. day, right? These people didn't, like, they were already doing a fucking march. So, and they saw yeah. this conflict going on. These crazy cult people and the Christian kids were... A bunch of teenagers getting into a... Scream like they were like, yeah. Mm, this guy was like, this is not the good. tensions were ramping up, and they were yelling at each other. So Nathan Phillips, yep, intervened, just basically walked in the middle of it to deflect that energy. Yes, and it worked. It did. It nobody punches were not thrown. Correct. There was not any you know real violence, and that is what it was very obvious. This is all very obvious to me, and it really escapes like the media for some reason. Well, I don't understand what, what, I think if you have not spent any time with indigenous peoples or like understand like culture of that, it seems confusing and that maybe it seems like he was provoking someone that is exactly the opposite (laughs) of what he was doing. So like when you have in, um, in indigenous cultures, the ones that I've been exposed to at least the sort of what you would call like the police, the law enforcement, the security, the people who protect the peace of the tribes mm-hmm. um, do a really different job than our current law enforcement does. Yes. They see themselves in a really different light. So our law enforcement says, like, serve and protect. Mm-hmm. And then they go out and kill people. Yes. These people actually serve and protect. And right. they, they view themselves as protectors of people. And that means not killing people or provoking violence. That means exactly the opposite, which is to go in a situation and diffuse it. And that's it. That's all. their only job is you go in and you diffuse the situation. You make it stop. You make sure that violence doesn't happen. You need to remove someone from the situation. You can do that. But there isn't violence committed upon anyone. And there isn't um, like incarceration. It's just like make the situation calm down and go away. And that is what this man did. It is absolutely in his tradition. Exactly what he did is exactly what would be expected. Right. Mm-hmm. You go in, you bang a drum, you yell and everybody gets distracted and everybody calms down and then it's done. Mm hmm. And if you're mad at me for a minute, okay. Right? So it didn't change for me what this little fucking MAGA hat wearing kid did. No, no, not at all. And, and, and there was more video of these kids like whooping and, you know, doing the mac- mocking the war, his- the chops and yeah. all this other gross, grotesque crap. So it was exactly what we thought it was. But it's generated controversy. And now the right wants to make this kid into another. A folk hero like they did with George Zimmerman and like, right. you know, they've done with all these other horrible people. And that always works out really well. So good luck with that. I don't need to talk about it anymore. Well, we- I want to say one thing. OK. Um, I want to say that this is something that I've been reading in black media, which is that the MAGA hat is the new like Swastika. white robe. Yes. Mm-hmm. And so when you wear the MAGA hat, you're not saying I support President Trump. That's really not what that means. And it's not why you're wearing it. What you're doing is you're signaling that you're racist. It's like the rebel flag and what you once could bullshit off as saying it's about Southern culture. 
Um, right. It's the new white hood, though. I mean, yeah. the, when you would put that fucking hat on and you go smirk in an indigenous man's face, what you are you signaling you're is you're racist. And mm. if you don't want to be labeled as racist, then don't wear that fucking hat. But don't tell me that that hat means anything other than that. No. It is absolutely the new signaling, hey, I'm racist. Well, it, it's always that thing, right? Where you get one of these people yells, I'm not racist, I'm not racist. And then you you sit down and talk to them and you, okay, well, what are your views on on black people, Hispanic people, immigrants? Like, oh no, you're, you're totally racist. You may not like the word, <laughs> but, but you you I check all the boxes. I, that doesn't matter to me if you, you like check it or not. The, so, not okay, mention, don't call yourself a racist. Additionally, at Covington High School, there is footage of their basketball team playing a different basketball team. Predominantly black. Predominantly school. black. Mm-hmm. And two of those kids, uh, well, I think one of them was one of the kids that was present at the protest and the other one, we're not sure, are standing by the sidelines in blackface, taunting the black uh, basketball team. Yes. So don't and, tell yeah. me, Covington High School, that this is this is misunderstood and you have to watch the video and we don't do race. Like, stop. They tried to dismiss stop. it as, well, that's just one of the school colors. Like, no, your school colors are like blue and white and gold. Stop. You had blackface and you got MAGA hats and you got mocking like indigenous elders. And then the media was like, oh, well, Nathan Phillips has a criminal record. <laughs> like, go fuck yourself. Go fuck yourself no you know what everybody saw and knew exactly what that was and it is what it is and but on the topic of blackface oh in florida florida the good governor ron DeSantis, who loves palling around with racists appointed uh, a gentleman uh, to be secretary of state i'm sorry i thought he was attorney general no he was i think he was secretary of state well i don't think they have those in the states do they oh yeah okay and of what the national guard or no, a bunch, a bunch anyway, of, they oversee like elections and okay. museums. Yeah, yeah, and stuff yeah. Like oh, that. right, right, right. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Um, in any event, this guy, this young white dude, and he had a very it, photo surfaced of a decision to attend a Halloween party back in 2005 dressed as a quote unquote Katrina survivor. No, Katrina victim. Katrina victim, yes. Because that's what black people are, is victims. In blackface, with a uh, colored headpiece and some gold hoop earrings, in blackface, wearing a t-shirt that he wrote in shitty black Sharpie, Katrina victim. Mm -hmm. Three months after Hurricane Katrina. Do I need to get into how bad Hurricane Katrina was? And what happened to black people who lived in New Orleans? Because I don't think I do. But the fact that this man lived in Florida, who was also affected by Hurricane Katrina and lives adjacent to that fucking state, decided that it would be hilarious to dress as a black woman because he had like fake tits and a T-shirt and like, you know, a, a head thing and gold hoop earrings decided that that would be hilarious. Po- just like probably like a month post Superdome. Mm hmm. To dress as in blackface as a black woman with a t-shirt that said Katrina victim on it. Yeah. The fuck? Well, yeah. Uh, I, I have good friends that survived Katrina. Good friends. It's fucked up. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, and he got fired. Ron DeSantis actually had to fire him. A little surprising. Surprising just said, ah, fuck it. It was 13 years ago. Who cares? <laughs> um, but this wasn't this a guy's only thing, apparently. Like, which is well, and his firing was like, you know, I, I just think that, like, I don't want to be distracted by this. We should move on. Yeah. He didn't denounce it. He didn't say, like, this is horrible and racist and what the fuck. Of course I fired him. He was just like, this is a distraction from the greater problems of Florida and we should move on. Mm-hmm. What is his other thing? What other thing? You said he had some other thing. Oh, yeah, no, he's had some other, like, questionable posts and, and tweets and racist stuff. And that's, that's not surprising because we knew Ron DeSantis was a racist and he won not in spite of it, probably because of it, um, because Florida is still filled with a lot of horrible people. And, uh, yeah, that's that's what we got there. Isn't that where also uh, Roger Stone got arrested? <laughs> of course. It was, like, South Florida. Fort Lauderdale, yeah. <laughs> oh. Yeah, so. Can we talk about Michael Bennett? Sure, yeah. Right? Michael Bennett. Michael our, Bennett. our own Michael Bennett. All right, so. Got him, got on the radar. All right, Michael Bennett um, is an interesting case study in Colorado. So Barack Obama gets elected in 2008, and Ken Salazar is our senator. Mm-hmm. Ken Salazar gets tapped by Obama to be the cabinet, uh, the secretary of agriculture for the Obama administration, which leaves this hole in uh, the Senate for Colorado. So Colorado state law says that that means that the governor gets to appoint that senator until the next election. That that governor was Bill Ritter. Mm-hmm. Bill Ritter was, you know, he's like every other Colorado governor, kind of just milk toast white guy, boring, um, but Democrat. So he picks this guy, Michael Bennett, um, and nobody knows who this guy is, really. At least I didn't. Um, and the right paints him as this, like, crazy, liberal, uh, you know, leftist monster, right? Right. He gets put in this place, like, it's only for two years, and then he gets has to go up for re-election. And everyone was like, oh, literally he was painted as, like, the most leftist, progressive, liberal, crazy person, socialist, Marxist person ever. And he's just this, like, really soft-spoken dude who, like, n- knew Obama, I guess. And, like, I, I never heard of him. So everyone's like, he's out, right? In two years, he's out. And he runs this campaign, and he did a lot of, like, he voted the right way during those two years where we, like, had everybody. Um, and he was reelected. Um, and he's been there ever since. And he doesn't make a lot of waves. Michael Bennett's a guy who's, you know, votes the right way and um, occasionally puts out some, like, media statements that are good. He's always on the right side of things, as far as I'm concerned. I've never been super pissed at him. But he's, like, not a bomb thrower. And he's he's not, another boring white guy. Yeah. He's just a dude who, like, I don't want to unseat him because he always votes the right way. Boring, liberal, Colorado white guy. Yeah. We got a lot of them. Right. But he's not like a centrist. No, he's no, just, he's pretty left. He's pretty, but he's like not. He just doesn't do much yeah. except vote the right way, which is all I need him to do. Is mm-hmm. just vote the right way every single time. So, I guess he just had enough. <laughs> this Ted, Ted Cruz pushed him over the edge. Ted Cruz has an ability to do that that is so amazing. <laughs> not just his like, face. People so hate they, him so much. They were like, on the they were on the Senate floor. <laughs> 
And Ted Cruz was pontificating about how the shutdown really should end and the Democrats should end it, whatever, because, oh, the poor first responders and the poor emergency people. And Michael Bennett just lost his shit and was like in 2014 because there were there was major flooding here in 2014. And the flooding occurred because we had major wildfires in 2013. Right. Which created this like crazy thing that happens on a mountain when there's wildfires where like all the trees are gone. And it creates this like burn thing Mm -hmm. that when we have like any kind of rain or any kind of like snowstorm it, it'll just flood it every floods valley. everything yeah. and it caused this incredible flood and, and like, what you have to understand is when you get 10 miles west of denver the rest of the state pretty much is is a series of hills and mountains, mountains and valleys right and some people live there which is crazy but they do lots of people lots of people and so it create i mean it was a crisis like it, it it took out an entire like there's pictures of this entire section of a major highway that goes up to the mountains. Yeah. It was just like a hole. And it, it so was insane. In the but, midst of trying to secure funding for that or keep services to help people, uh, Ted Cruz shut down the government over yes. Obamacare. Yes. And remember, that was a Ted Cruz yes. orchestrated shutdown yes. to try to end Obamacare. And Michael Bennett's in Colorado being like, I'm literally trying to airlift people out of their houses because we can't drive yeah, on can't, a road that you doesn't can't exist. Do this right now. And you're doing this. And right. Ted Cruz did it anyway. Yes. And so Michael Bennett lost his shit. Just yeah. lost it. I mean, he just lost it. And I, I've never and, seen and, anything like And Ted like Cruz it. had nothing to say. Ted Cruz was just had to take it. So he just like gets up. And I didn't know that this was a thing, but Lawrence O'Donnell keyed me into this, that like the microphone when you're sitting as a senator is like this little pen yeah. that you can take out and like put in your pocket yes. so that when you stand up, you can talk and people can still hear you. Yes. He's so pissed off. He doesn't even do that. <laughs> He just gets up he and starts yelling. Up, but his voice just projects anyway. He's yelling. He's talking so loud that like it doesn't fucking matter. He's yelling. And he's saying like this is fucking bullshit basically. Yeah, and he starts off slow. He's like, okay, with, with all due respect to my colleague, Senator to Cruz. the gentleman from Texas. He just unloads on him. And just like, and no. And it went totally viral. Yeah. Throws his hands up in the air, just yells. And it's beautiful. And like I watched the full video and like he just doesn't stop um he just rips him and he's like 20 minutes factual it's all right and like he has no notes there's no teleprompter he's on the floor of the fucking senate this is not prepared he's just mad i think he's just remembering all those people who were stuck up in like thompson canyon that Mm -hmm. he couldn't help and you know now this dude's like oh it's really terrible because it's like no fuck you man fuck you and he just had a fuck you moment and just went off and it went viral mm-hmm. and everyone was like who the fuck is michael bennett <laughs> right yeah. and we were like oh that's my guy <laughs> yeah yeah we knew him <laughs> um we, yeah, we texted each other like hey see bennett's famous why, now. what's why what's why bennett yeah. what's happening with yeah. bennett he hasn't ever <laughs> what was news. it a sex scandal what's going on <laughs> did you like, fuck no. somebody like what happened <laughs> um yeah and so Everyone was like, oh, he must be doing this because he wants to run in 2020. And like, that's a cynical view. And maybe it's true. But I also think like he just was really I, fucking No, whether mad. or not he wants to run in 2020, that was genuine. And, it was. And look, no, nobody has to assume that getting mad at Ted Cruz can't be organic. <laughs> right? And <laughs> he, he can't even be, says at one point, he's so, it's so good. He's like. Can't be genuine. This guy. Like, and then he's like, I was going to. Mm. <laughs> I was going to say something about what Trump said about your father, but I'm not going to do that because that's his kind of style, right? Yeah. Like he doesn't, he's like, I was going to say something that was mean and doesn't have anything to do with this, but I'm not going to do that because that's, yeah, doesn't pertain sort of to like, the issue at hand. Even though we're not in the Midwest, so, sort of that Midwest. Yeah. 
We're a little more off the cuff than Midwest, I would say. I would say. Yeah. But, like, he also recognized in that moment, like, I don't want to bring up that Trump said your dad killed John Kennedy. But I do want to be like, he did do that, though. So I'm going to say it without saying it. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And Ted obviously doesn't care about that because he's a Trump sycophant like the others. And, uh, okay, so there was that. Uh, another thing I wanted to get to, again, before the, the world melted down on Friday was... Remember back when Trump was trying to get Jared Kushner and all these awful people security clearances and everyone was like, they're not going to get security clearances. There's no way they can. Right. They're horribly compromised by foreign governments and they got security clearances. And because every- the president can override that. Well, this is how it happened. This okay. was just revealed this week. Um, it wasn't exactly clear how the president could override it, but ultimately they did. And everyone was like, that's fucked up. And then we just kind of moved on. Well, mm-hmm. what happened was the application came back and said, no, these people should not get security clearances. Right. And so Trump just basically put this guy in a position to oversee all that, that just rubber stamped everything. It was like, whatever. Interesting, because I thought um, my understanding back when this whole controversy was happening last year was that um, in the same way that the president can reveal confidential secrets to the Russians during an Oval Office visit that he also had a rubber stamping on security clearances. Not so exactly. he decides no, 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 that somebody no. can... That would okay. be with like individual pieces of intelligence. Like okay. if he wanted to call Jared Kushner in and say, this is classified, but I, I am using my presidential authority to share it with you. But okay, so instead this of doing different that, than like overall security clearances, uh, yes. which have to be approved. And so exactly. some guy just got hired and some said guy it's fine. got put in that position to, guy? to rubber stamp everybody. Some guy named Klein... Uh, don't know much about him, but should find that out, my right? point is before this all blew up on uh, Friday with everything else, like this would have been a titanic scandal. Yeah. Huge scandal. Right. And it still will be because guess what? Democrats have the house now yeah. and they're going to hold hearings yeah. on how people that weren't supposed to get security clearances got security clearances and why it was recommended they not get security clearances. Let's talk about that. Yes, because they they're all heavily potentially compromised by foreign like, adversaries. The scandal is twofold, right? <laughs> One fold is some guy rubber stamped it, but the second part is wait a minute, why did these people not get security clearance? Yeah. What why, did they, why were why, why were the recommend, recommendations not to get security clearance? Tell me clearance? that story. Yes. Why didn't they and Elijah think Cummings that they should get and Adam that? Schiff, oh, I know. Oh, they I know. are going to oh, ask those questions. I know. Oh my god. Okay. I um would like to talk about Kamala Harris. Yes, I'm glad you brought that up. Okay. Let's talk about Kamala Harris and the larger point of prosecutors. Prosecutors is exactly where I'm going with this. You know me very well. Yes. Um, Kamala Harris, the brilliant black woman. And I think it's wonderful that we have a candidate for president in the Democratic Party that is a black woman. And an Indian woman, right? So she's biracial. Her mm-hmm. mom was an Indian woman. Um, and by that, I mean from India. Yes. Because if you go, obviously, I'm not saying indigenous, right? So, great. And isn't it so fun to watch her interrogate people on the floor, <laughs> right? And when uh. I say something like, former prosecutor, what is the thing that you think when I say that? 
And by you, I mean, what do you think people generally think? Well, I, I think it the same way that when people like Rachel Maddow or Chris Hayes say it with a with a glint in their eyes, mm-hmm. like it's a wonderful thing. Yes. Um, these are people we admire that say that. Yes. And they say, well, just, isn't, isn't that great? Isn't that great? Like, and when people say former prosecutor, it's like this, oh, 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 that's so great, right? Former prosecutor, like... They must be a person who knows how to get to the truth. Yeah. And they work for the government to get to the truth of things. And they, you know, they know how to like hammer people. And they like, that's what you think about when you think about former prosecutor, right? Like how many judges, how many of our elected officials, how many people in our government are former prosecutor as like, and they say it as though they're saying, um, you know, former Mother Teresa, former (laughs) Gandhi. Right. Former person who ran into a burning building to save kittens. Former prosecutor is literally like a a a point on your resume as like great thing that you've done that qualifies you to be something more. Well, let's judge, elected official, president, whatever. Let's back everything up for a minute and, and talk in a much broader context about this. Right. Because there are two worlds. Right. There's the world of when you're a kid. Right. Mm-hmm. Like I'm talking, you're 10 years old. Yeah. And the the police come Good to Good guys school. and bad guys. Hold on. Yeah, the police come to talk to the class and maybe they bring the police dog. And and if you're if you're good, you can pet the police dog and give like, him a treat and he'll do a trick. Yes. And how oh. do you how do you catch the oh. bad guys? Like, mm-hmm. well, we really want to keep you safe. And, you right. know, some of us, we, we go and then we go to the courtroom so we can get the bad guys that way. And you're a little kid and you nod along. Mm-hmm. You're, I'm sorry, if you're a little white kid, because I think young black kids already know better. But mm-hmm. like. Mm-hmm. If you're a young white kid, like you nod along and then you go home and then you turn on the TV and Law and Order is on. Yes. And when Law and Order is on, all the prosecutors are best friends with the police. They're fucking them sometimes. Hold and they on. all work together. But the point is they they only care about getting the bad guys. They only care about the truth. They only care about being honest. They only care about helping the victims. They're going to get to the bottom of this case for the victim's sake. That is right. And not only and in the movies, right? Yep. And not only that. Yes, sometimes they do make mistakes, but you know what? It's just because they're so passionate. But if they make a mistake, they somebody else in their department figures it out and they set that shit straight. Yes. And that mistake is undone and justice is served. That's, That's what right. prosecutors are. That's right. Then you grow up, well, some of us, if we get out of our enclave of just people that look exactly like us and in our same socioeconomic status, some of us grow up and we meet other people and we live in diverse neighborhoods and we were like, oh, wait a minute. We learn, we see, maybe it's not like that. Yeah. Maybe. And then you work for defense attorneys and then you know people. And you sit in a courtroom. And you sit and you in see what happens. And then you do movement work and you work with people who, and then you educate yourself. And then when you say to someone like me, former prosecutor, what happens to me is I get shivers all over my body and I say bad person. Yeah. And I'm going to explain that. Yeah. Because I think a lot of people still live in that that bubble of former prosecutor means I'm going to go get the bad guy and I'm going to get to the truth. Mm-hmm. And that is not what prosecutors do. It's in fact not even their job. Nope. It's not their mission and it is not what they try to do, seek to do, or do in reality. Let me make an analogy. What in this country, most places probably, what prosecutors are more akin to is a boiler room salesperson 
or a used car salesman. Would you say that's fair? I would say that's fair with the authority of depriving people of their liberty on behalf of the state. Sure, but the aim is close the deal. So, right, correct. Like, correct. This, this old lady is about to get in a 78 Oldsmobile with no brakes? Fuck it. I don't care. I'm making two grand. Yep. Close the All deal. All right, close the deal. So, how it really works is, I think a lot of you probably agree that police are pretty corrupt, right? Like, we can all agree, like, <clears throat> given Black Lives Matter and the murder of people and the sort of corruption that's been exposed with, like, the recent season of Serial, um, with law enforcement. Making that, a murderer. Making a murderer, Which is right? really important because it showed a working class white guy mm-hmm. on the wrong side of that. Mm-hmm. But when you look at law enforcement, I think a lot of us are sort of becoming critical of law enforcement and of their role and not just like in use of extra force, but also in like these people are corrupt and they are bad. And so why that matters is that how crimes are prosecuted in this country is that someone calls the police or the police come upon a situation and we sort of have a general, I have a general mistrust of police, but I think a lot of us do. Mm-hmm. Um, and the police then investigate and they charge someone. They, I'm sorry, they arrest someone, right? They decide, they write a report, they say, this person did this thing. This person said this, this person said that. I witnessed this, here's some evidence. And they arrest someone. And what happens then is they take that file and they give it to the prosecutor. That could be the DA. That can be assistant, assistant DA, DA, deputy, deputy DA, yeah. right? Depending on what jurisdiction it is. But they take it to the prosecution, which is the city or state or whatever, generally like city or municipality agency, right? Mm-hmm. And they say, okay, here's, here's your guy. And the prosecution at that point gets to decide, looking at the evidence... Unlike law and order, sort of, right? It's supposed to be. They look at the evidence and they decide whether or not to charge that person Mm -hmm. with a crime. Because police don't charge people with crimes. Police arrest people. Yes. And provide the prosecution. Suspicion of crimes. Yeah. Yeah. And they provide the prosecutors with, here's this case, here's what I said happened, and here's what, do whatever with it, whatever you will. Prosecutors then take that and they look at it and they decide whether or not to charge that person with a crime. In an ideal world, um, the prosecutor would look at all of the evidence and talk to witnesses and talk to, you know, uh, everybody involved and decide (laughs) if that is in fact what happened and if in fact a crime had been committed. And if in fact they felt a crime had been committed, they would charge that person with a crime and then they would go to trial. <laughs> yeah. That is not what happens. No. They, at all. They just take their word They for don't it. care. They don't care what happened. Um, I can tell you that they don't even read the police report. They don't look at the body cam. They don't listen to the 911 calls. Um, they don't care what happened. They literally are like, this cop said this happened, so this is my guy, and I will go to every length to convict this person of a crime, regardless of whether or not I think it's true, regardless of whether or not I think it happened, or it happened this way, or it happened at all. It doesn't matter. 
I my goal is to get a win. And a win is either a plea bargain, which means that the person admits to a crime that they did or did not commit, or a win in a jury trial. Most of the time, they want a plea bargain because they don't want to go through the hassle of having to actually look at what happened and watch the body cam mm-hmm. and listen to the 911 tapes and actually decide if what happened happened. They don't mm-hmm. care. They Most of the time, they don't care, so they don't do any of that. Going to trial means they have to do that. They don't want to do that, so they'll offer pleas, and most people take them, and we can get into that later. But they don't care. And I'm not saying this because... I'm saying it because it's true. Yeah. And and it is true. And, I, and I'm not saying because I don't have any experience with this. It's absolutely true. And so what happens then is that they go into this trial, let's say, somebody doesn't take a plea deal, and they're not arguing for the truth. They're arguing to prove that whatever the police said happened, happened. Yes. And they're not arguing for this, for the victim, because often the person that they're prosecuting was also a victim or often the person that they're prosecuting isn't guilty and it doesn't matter they're not serving the victim they're not trying to help the person that was injured they're not trying to serve justice they're trying to prove that whatever the police said happened happened and they'll do that by any means necessary and it has absolutely nothing to do with what actually happened now let's link that to Kamala Harris as a candidate and Kamala Harris's past as a prosecutor So when you say to me, former prosecutor, I want you guys to think about all of the things I just said. And that Kamala Harris is running on being a former prosecutor. Yep. Because she is depending on, before we have this conversation, your idea of what former prosecutor means. And look, I'm not trying to disparage the first black woman who's running for you know, she's not the first, but you know what I mean, right? I'm not trying to disparage her, and I'm not trying to say that, you know, she's a former prosecutor. And that sucks. Well, let's talk specifically about we what we know about some of the things Kamala Harris has done as a former prosecutor. So, as a former prosecutor... She has incarcerated multiple people who are innocent of crimes that we know about. (laughs) Some of them have been released. Mm -hmm. And again, this prosecutor thing, right? Even though it's been proven that they were innocent of this thing that she convicted them of, um, she's gone all the way on the appeals process. All the way, all the way, all the way, insisting that she was right, even when all the evidence proves her wrong. And then they are exonerated, she won't let it go, because that's what prosecutors do. She fought for the death penalty in California, hard, to insist that the death penalty was necessary in California. And given the fact that she's a black woman, that's really hard for me, because... Imagine how hard it is for a lot of black people right because the death penalty is disproportionately applied to people of color and specifically to black men and so it's not a small thing that she fought tooth and fucking nail to try to make california uphold the death penalty um she fought against um reducing the uh, maximum sentencing policies in california so that judges would have more discretion about how to sentence people 
Um, she wanted judges to have no discretion and to have maximum sentencing be a thing that was mandated, which again, um, disproportionately affects black men and people of color. Um, her history as a former prosecutor makes her really hard for me to support as a candidate. Um, and I don't say that lightly, right? I don't say that as a thing that is easy for me because I do love watching her tear down people, you know, on the floor. I do love watching her interrogate people. And I, yeah. And we're in an age now where things have been sort of turned on their head because we have a bunch of criminals in the opposition party that are running the country conveniently the prosecutors on our side trying to save the Republic is useful. Yeah. Uh, it, it it doesn't, but this hero worship of prosecutors has to stop. Prosecutors are not what you think they are. No. And every time you watch one of these true crime stories about how somebody got it wrong and it took all this appellate process and it took all this stuff and it took him 17 years to get out of jail and 30 years to get out of jail and 50 years and he died in jail or was executed. All that stuff, all of those stories that you've heard that you're so outraged by could have at any point in time been stopped by whatever prosecutor was prosecuting that case. Mm -hmm. Prosecutors have something called nole prosequi in Italian, which means choosing not to prosecute. They have the discretion to not prosecute cases and to stop prosecuting cases. They can drop it at any time. It is their sole discretion. And when you see these cases like Stephen Avery or all of the true crime things right, that we watch, and we're like, oh my God, it's such a tragedy. Yes, it's on the part of the police. We've all recognized that, right? But the people who ultimately put those people in jail are the prosecutors. Mm -hmm. And the people who continue to fight for them to stay in jail are the prosecutors. Mm -hmm. And so when you say to me, oh, former prosecutor, like it's a like that's a love note. It just sends shivers up my spine. Yeah. Former prosecutor to me is a a thing that makes you just about unelectable. And fortunately for us, um, we got a big field of some really good candidates. It's not. Now, it might turn out that, <laughs> you know, six months from now, it is Kamala Harris and one other person in the primary, and then it's going to be tough. And of course, I'll vote for whoever the Democrat is. Yes, but... Uh, However, if I have that, uh, some control over that, I would like it to not be a former prosecutor. Agreed. Uh, on the topic. Mm. So, a bunch of people announced their candidacy, and this morning... Oh, you're going to make me talk about Bernie? going to make you talk about... No. Bernie. I think Bernie is in for a rude awakening. I hate him so much. Uh, I I think, especially with a big crowded field, he doesn't have Hillary Clinton as a a foil to run against. He's got a lot of other very good qualified people who a lot of them are singing the same tune as Bernie, basically at this point. Um, I think he is going to find that his hard cap is might be around 10 to 15%. And that's it. Well, and, and of course, if we have a clown car of candidates, that might be good enough to win some primaries. But I, I don't think he is going to have the support he thinks he's going to have. I could be wrong. I think you're right, and I think there's so much more to say about why. I'm trying to pull this article that I read the other day about he 
before he announced, right? Well, let's talk about some of the shit he said this week, right? Uh-huh. Just this week that shows, like, we've talked about how people don't get it. Bernie is in his own class of, like, Bernie is spot on with the tax and the millionaires. Like, yes, and he was he was an early adopter of that, and, and credit to him for that. And he's got that going for him. But there's so much more than that going on right now in the resistance movement. And, and boy, is he tone deaf on it. And boy, is he trying to find the quote. It is the wrong thing. It is. It was appalling to me in 2016 when we talked about, I mean, you, people who've listened to our podcast since before president Trump was elected, um, know that one of my talking points was always that his ability to go talk to killer Mike and talk about racial politics and talk about racism and systemic racism and be able to very, very clearly articulate the problems with racism to a black man. Mm-hmm. And then literally not in front of a black man, just in front of a bunch of white people who came to his rallies to never speak of it again. And in fact, disparage it in some ways and talk about how like identity politics doesn't matter because it's really about class and it's about economics means to me that he's a racist because he understands it's not that he doesn't know it's not that he's just a white dude from vermont who like doesn't really get it he fully understands systemic racism and refuses to tell white people about it because he's afraid of losing them as his base that's right that's right this this is his angle he sees he can get the young you know socialists um, types and he can peel off a good chunk of, of grouchy white America um, by by emphasizing this like we talk too much about race. I'm trying to find the quote, but basically what he said was um, people talk too much about race and gender <laughs> and LGBT issues and and you just want to have some candidate who's like not white and like not a man and that has nothing to do with anything because it's not about race and it's not about gender and it's not about sexual orientation from a cis straight white guy right saying an that. old he doesn't white get it. man an old straight white man is saying this and he's like it's about class it's really about economics and i just want to scream in his face like reproductive rights are economic rights racial yes. Justice are is economic justice. Yes. Right? There is no separation. But the between, problem the problem is he knows that. He knows it and he says this anyway. And I fucking hate him. And I don't care how many angry people are gonna yell at me. I fucking hate him. I want him to go away. He is doing damage because what he's saying to white people is you can be liberal, you can be progressive, and you can also be racist and sexist and homophobic. That's fine. You are welcome. As long as you vote for me, then it doesn't matter if you're racist or xenophobic or homophobic or sexist. I don't care. As long as you agree that, like, economic anxiety, right? Like, he's... His voters are not that different from Trump voters. Realistically. Some of them. A lot of them. Right? Well, two things, right? First of all... I, how if he's still planning to run in the Democratic primary as a Democrat? He just announced. How does he? What? How does he expect to win? The the look and let me explain this to some of my friends who might be listening because you 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 keep hitting me with the Bernie would would have won shit, 
and I'm sick of I'm sick of having that argument for one simple reason. The core, look, you may you might not want to believe this or accept it, but the core of the democratic base is people of color and more specifically women of color. Black women. Now, black women are the base n- of the Democratic n- Party. Now, wrap your head around this. You love to say, well, the DNC picked Hillary and that's why she was the nominee. What you're basically saying is that women of color are too uninformed and dumb to make an informed decision about who they prefer as a candidate. So they'll just listen to some white lady from Wisconsin to whatever the head of or from Florida in this case, the head of the party says and just check, check it off. And you refuse to have any introspection into whether maybe Bernie Sanders message simply while it resonated with a lot of people and brought in a new, a lot of young energy did not resonate with the core of the democratic base enough to get him the nomination and it's gonna be worse this time and and you can yell at me and you can yell at debbie wasserman schultz and you can yell at the dnc all you want you refuse to acknowledge that his message does not resonate with people of color and specifically women of color and further you refuse to even venture into the world of why why that might be. And until you do, we don't even have a basis for a conversation. So say Bernie would have won all you want. The fact is he's choosing to run as a Democrat and choosing to alienate the core of the party. So he can't win. So I don't care how much you like him. And I don't care how much you dislike Hillary Clinton. And I don't care how much you dislike Debbie Debbie Wasserman Schultz. He refuses to acknowledge and you refuse to acknowledge why his message does not appeal to the people he needs to possibly win the nomination. Therefore, he is either an idiot, which I don't think he is, or he is a attention hogging rat fucker. Who would just as soon see uh, a, conti- a continued rule of uh, proto-fascism and Trump because then maybe one day he'll get his revolution. It's like the Susan Sarandon way of thinking. You know, uh, step one, misery. Step two, fascism. Step three, profit. And I just can't be on board with it, so I'm not going to debate it with you. Period. I'm done. I'm done, Bernie people. Good luck. Like we've said before, we caucused for him and he lost. And then we obviously voted for the Democratic nominee. And there's really not much more debate that needs to go into that. Other than he should shut the fuck up and go away. And by the way, black women and women of color generally are at the center of every single social movement that y'all have co-opted. All the things that you think that you're doing, that you think are so progressive, that you think that you invented, that you think, oh, I'm on the front lines here of this progressive social movement. You didn't invent that. You didn't start it. Your blood, sweat and tears didn't go into it. You came on at the end and you co-opted it and then you used it as a fucking weapon against the people who created it. So when you want to talk about economic justice, you want to talk about the poor people's movement. Who started that? A bunch of white people? No. No. The fucking Panthers. 
the fucking Black Panthers and Martin Luther King Jr. started this idea of economic justice and poor people movements. And the work of those movements were all on the backs of black women. They are who supported that movement. They are who made that movement. Bernie Sanders coming in and being like, I have this great idea. Maybe we should have economic justice is a fucking joke. It's a joke. And if you don't give credit where credit is due, then go fuck yourselves. The Panthers were feeding hungry kids in poor neighborhoods, providing housing assistance in poor neighborhoods, advocating for better schools 40 years ago, 50 years ago. And Bernie Sanders knows that. And he comes up like it's his fucking idea. And it's not. This is not a new idea and it's not his idea. And frankly, all he's doing is using it as a publicity tool. At the same time, shitting all over Democrats and refusing to acknowledge his base, which is black people. And black people have done the work that got this message out in the first place that he is now using. So fuck Bernie Sanders. He's just co-opting black politics and black messaging and refusing to acknowledge their struggle. And they know that and stop. And why, that's why they don't vote for him. Stop insulting the intelligence of people of color who vote in Democratic primaries by saying you are too dumb to know the difference and you're just listening to the DNC. No, they know who Bernie Sanders is. They hear his message. It's not working for them. And guess what? Unlike you, who might, fucking vote. who might choose to rat fuck everything and say, well, we'll have Donald Trump. If Bernie Sanders became the nominee, people of color would get their asses out and vote for him. If he were the nominee, they would vote for him because they know what the alternative means to their daily lives, even if it might not mean as much to yours. So I think we've said what we needed to say on Bernie Sanders. Yep. Now the question is going to be, once we get through a few primaries is he, and he's been fourth and fifth place and he's not really raising nearly as much money as he used to, then what does he do? Does he throw his weight behind somebody? Does he just go away? Does he threaten to run as an independent? Does he rat fuck everything? I don't know. Where I have is ego no takes him? evidence to believe that he won't do exactly where his ego takes him, right? Whatever that means. Whatever so, that means. Fuck everybody and rally those 20% of fucking asshole white dudes and fucking come at me. I'm so sick of your bullshit. Um, and fuck you. Go, just fuck you. Go make your own fucking party. Go do what, just go not exist within anywhere that I can see or hear from you. I don't care. I'm not going to debate you on Twitter. I'm not going to talk to you. I'm not going to engage with you. I don't fucking care about you. You are meaningless and unimportant to me and unimportant to this entire process. So go have a rage fit somewhere else, but don't do it around me because I won't be having any of it. Just block. (laughs) I think that's a good place to leave off. Me too. Okay, so we rambled quite a bit today, covered yeah. a lot of ground. Got um, real mad. Got real mad. <laughs> Don't know what's going to be going on a week from now, but I suspect uh, one last thing. Um, right now, Trump probably believes somehow that he won and everything's okay because his inner circle is telling him that and Fox News is telling them ha- him that. And eventually all the anger <laughs> yeah. from the Breitbarts and the Ann Coulters is going to seep in. And he's going to get mad and he's going to start rage tweeting and it's going to be glorious or horrifying or any combination thereof. Both. Yes. 
mm-hmm. and more indictments are going to come down. So it's going to be quite a couple weeks. I think so. We'll probably have something to talk about next week. Yep. Okay. <laughs> okay. I have been Travis. I'm Rachel. At Reverend Duo on Twitter, Reverend Testimony at gmail.com. Talk to you next week. Bye.